0: I, uh, from this point on, uh, <laughs> you, can, you, cannot, you cannot talk of the secrets uh, that you don't want the world to know. Mm. Um, yeah, wait, wait, wait. I had, I had some corrections, mm. uh, or rather, well, co- corrections or retractions. Mm. Uh, yeah, like from the. the previous. Uh, yeah, I've listened. <laughs> I played over some, some of those episodes to myself, I think the, the first three. Mm. And I noted down some, some errors I made that I, I wanted to correct. But then I was thinking, maybe I should record those as a like as a separate note mm. and then append them to the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. But that's just too much.
1: Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you can just point them out. It yeah. could be yeah. order for conversation. Yeah. Right.
0: yeah. I think I wrote them down. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I wrote them down in my notes up here. Yeah, that thing is still recording. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I think two main ones, actually. Because I remember, uh, the first one, the first one I want to mention is uh, actually both of them seems to be seem to be from from the same episode. Although one one was also in, uh, in an earlier one. Mm. Yes. 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 No, no. The, the most recent one. The one... Of course, there are many other errors. I don't think this <laughs> this list is going to to exhaust them. But I, I found this one to be the most embarrassing, mm. <laughs> so I'm going to point them out. Uh, and the first one is the name of uh, I think that one is recording also, isn't it? Because the microphone is connected. Mm. Um, yeah the uh, the first one is that uh, what is it? Um, the name of Franco Luambo Luanzo Makiadi. Mm. I kept conflating it with the with the honor. I mean the the the, the funny names that were added to Mobutu. You know, Mobutu Sese Seko's name mm. is much longer. It's Mobutu, or rather the the traditional name that, that yeah, it was Mobutu Sese Seko Kuku Mbandu was a banger. Oh. I think which means the the kuku there is actually a cuckoo. It's, mm. it's actually a, a chicken. Yeah, yeah, mm. but a male one, cockerel. Mm. I think it's something to do with like the cockerel that like gets all the hands in the village or something like that. Mm. So yeah, there's two times I've mentioned uh, Franco mm. the first one in episode two mm. with uh, with Carrington mm. uh, yeah, um, a friend from campus. And then the other one was in the last episode, where again I started talking about Franco, because I remember I was talking about the kind of music I would take with me to a desert island. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned Franco, mm-hmm. and one of the songs, you know, Fabrice too. Actually, mm-hmm. I think we talked about that song. And I in both cases, I called him Franco Luambo Luanzo, Kuku Vandu, Wazabang. Oh, okay. So I was conflating... The two, and I did that twice, mm-hmm. so I'm doubly embarrassed <laughs> about it. So, so yeah, so that's a retraction for users. Kukum Badwa Zabanga is Mubutu Sese and Franco is Luambo Nwanzo Makiadi. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's one. And then what's the other? The other, yeah, the other one also came out in the conversation with Carrington. I hope he listens to this and yeah. sees me retract this. There was a point where we were talking about, um. Yeah, reactions to trauma uh, especially a bunch of case studies that somebody did yeah. of people in uh, in, uh, in in New York during 9-11 and there was this girl who was living on Long Island <clears throat> which is this, it's a long island mm-hmm. <laughs> we call it Long Island because it's, a long, it's basically a huge sandbar I think it's a sandbar mm-hmm. but a big one so it's a big island that extends from like, just across uh, uh, the water from Manhattan, then goes all the way north. I think it's, like, it could easily be 100-plus kilometers long, possibly 160 kilometers, I don't know. But it's it's quite long. And so we were talking about this girl who was living very far from New York. Like, New York was not even on the horizon. Um, you see, because of the curvature of the Earth, the horizon actually a definable point. If everything, like if you are sitting on a plane mm. with no interruptions and like no mountains in the horizon and any other stuff, the farthest you can see is 40 kilometers. Mm. Because beyond 40 kilometers, the curvature of the earth means that things drop off. Okay. Yeah, that's why one of the proofs for the spherical shape of the earth is mm-hmm. ships emerging from the horizon because okay. you start seeing the top portions first before the whole thing emerges yeah. so the horizon is 40 kilometers mm-hmm. this girl was living more than 40 kilometers away from New York but yet she remembers seeing like black smoke rising into the sky mm-hmm. you know so yeah so basically I was making that up and the, the retraction here is that Carrington mentioned that there's a long bridge connecting Manhattan mm-hmm. And Long Island. Mm. And I said no. Mm. Uh, because I meant to I meant that the, the long there's a bunch of long bridges. I think it's the East River. Mm. Okay. Manhattan is this north-south mm. island. And on one side is the Hudson River, mm. and the other side mm. is the East River. They're basically the same rivers, I think, and they're connected at the top. That's what makes Manhattan an island. Mm. But then one flows on this side, the other flows on this other side. So there's a bunch of very long bridges crossing the East River, mm. going into Long Island. Mm. I think there's one or two more going into the mainland. Mm. Yeah, but I meant that I mentioned that those bridges go into Brooklyn and Queens. Mm. Now the correction here is that Brooklyn and Queens are both on Long Island. Mm. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're they are like on the southernmost tip of Long Island. Okay. Yeah, there's but in my, point yeah, point. yeah, in my mind. Like they were not on Long Island. It was like the East River, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Queens, and then Long Island is like behind it. Oh, okay. But it's it's a one long island containing Brooklyn, Queens, and a bunch of other mm-hmm. other neighborhoods. So yeah, uh, Brooklyn and Queens are where uh, mm-hmm. Steve Rogers and uh, the kid who right. Yeah, Peter uh, Parker. Uh, Peter Parker. Peter Parker is
1: Queens. Yeah, he's from from Queens, and uh, and Rogers is from.
0: From Brooklyn from Brooklyn yes I, I I watched I watched Captain America Civil War two weeks ago three weeks ago mm. yeah, and there's this scene at the airport in Berlin where uh, spider-man shows up for the first time mm. you know, where he's introduced now into the MCU and uh, he's trying to fight cap mm. and then there's a point where they now get to actually introduce on her yes. where are you from <laughs> mm. um, and Peter Parker is like a uh, Queens, uh, Brooklyn. Ah no, Queens. Yeah, I'm from Queens, and then Steve Rogers uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> After you smacked his ass, <laughs> something like that. Uh, yeah. Your your spirit kid.
1: <laughs> I watched that in the in the cinema. <clears throat>
2: the
1: time, at the time I was, uh, I was really keen on following. Following on, like this comic book films, for somebody for for readers of, like, say, the genre, mm. like the books, so they you don't really have a disconnect between they don't see it really as as different mediums mm. like film and the, the books, books and uh, the cosplay. Mm. They cosplay. see it as what's, one thing. There are people who dress up like, like when you go to conventions, ah. there'll be somebody who will do a mock-up and will dress up like one of the characters. Ah, yeah. So that, like, there are different fields. There are guys who you find people collecting the, the statuettes, mm-hmm. um, the toys. So they see it as one, one, one collect, well, one connected thing. Us in, in, in yeah, people. despite the fact that you may have you may have them represented in different media Mm. so people when people say for instance that when you go and watch the film and people complain that it's not true to the source material and people who just watch the films will be like well it's a movie You can't expect it to be to the same standard. Yeah. (laughs) But I remember Peterson saying that some of these stories take on mythological aspects. Yeah. Such that when, if you're a storyteller and you're picking up this story, it's like the broken telephone thing. You can add aspects to it of your own, like your imagination, but you can't break the chain of whatever has already been told because it's already become canon. (laughs)
0: So <laughs> it's interesting actually that you bring this. The reason I'm laughing is that Peterson himself was recently portrayed as a uh <laughs> what's, the, what's the name of that guy? Red skull. Uh, Red skull, uh, Red skull has, has is it ten rules for life? <laughs> ten rules for life. And he's talking of lobsters. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and the guy who did that was Tar Tana he Coates.
1: Yes. This is the same fella who wrote uh, who's been writing Black Panther. Yes, he He his writings for on black panther well yes. I have a lot of different opinions on on the character itself hmm.
0: i so think I should he, I
1: should put this on airplane mode so that nobody oh. can call hopefully, hopefully that, still record yeah hopefully that doesn't kill recording uh yeah yeah, yeah. um because yeah. when okay, if I if for aside from one or two writers mm. which i can't most most of the stories, most of the stories from Black Panther have been you see outside of Stanley and guys like Jack Kirby, a lot of the stories have been they've not been that good. Oh, the stories of Black Panther. Of Black said. Panther, ah. and the source material. And when I talk of source material, I mean the comic book media. Mm-hmm. So that when Tane started writing Black Panther at that time the story was he he enriched the story because he tried to he was sort of more aware of of the cultural dynamics in in Africa mm-hmm. than say a guy like Stanley because Stan, Stanley was writing from the perspective of an of an American mm-hmm. but I also felt for for a long time that even the black Americans were conflating their own historical struggles with the, the struggles people. from the main continent. Yeah. So it wasn't really the same, because when they talk about things like racism and and things like colonialism, segregation, it doesn't ring the same way for yeah. one another. It, it's, it's a different... It's a different... Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's, <laughs> there is a common point of departure mm-hmm. uh, for both stories, but then the way the stories develop, especially post the... Atlantic slave trade mm. is very different. Yes, it, it's very, very different. I mean, uh, <laughs> I found myself in an argument just this yesterday. Mm. Yesterday, because I I tweeted this thing. And uh, let me see if I can recall the words I used um, concerning the Israel Gaza crisis oh, okay. and the present the current flare up. Actually, mm. uh, I tweeted that. Israel recognizes Palestinians' right to form a state Mm. and has tried multiple times to get Palestinians to form a state. But every single time, uh, Palestinians have rejected Mm. those offers. In fact, most times they've rejected them uh, violently. Mm -hmm. And still, up to now, they don't recognize Israel's um, right to exist as a state. Mm. Now of course, there I I know I just waded into, <laughs> into, into like the mark, you know, because it's just so many entrenched opinions and um and a lot of I hate to use this term, but misinformation. Mm-hmm. Like people think they know and therefore um how how do we put this? They therefore lock themselves up in in bunkers, you know, mm. without any any possibility of stretching out to the other side and trying to see things from that other perspective. Mm. Now, of course, I'm not saying that I, I am immune to that, but I'm not going to make apologies for, for my opinions, I mm. think. Um, because the truth is that Israel does recognize this guy's right to form a state, mm. has always recognized that right to form a state. Mm. But like every single... Maybe, uh, every single opportunity that they've tried, these guys have rejected and it, often they even actually attack, you know. A, a clear example here, after the Six-Day War, which Israel won <laughs> almost by a miracle, I mean, these guys waited for Israel to be on Yom Kippur, like, one of their holiest days when nobody's working in Israel. The soldiers mm-hmm. are supposed to be asleep. Like, And that's where they attacked, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Egypt and Syria from the north and south. Yes. And Israel, luckily, hammered both of them nicely
2: mm-hmm.
0: and took the Golan Heights in the north and took the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, Sinai Peninsula? Is it a peninsula? Yeah, it's a peninsula. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red Sea and... Uh, yeah, of kaba i think says mm. yeah took the sinai and almost invaded egypt itself it's just that they stopped mm. like at the at the at the Suez but they were already inside Egypt mm. but they stopped they kept uh they kept the Sinai they even occupied the the, the, the West Bank yes yeah mm. in the sixty six day war and then they gave back the Sinai, Mm. in exchange for Egypt Mm. recognizing them. I mean, uh, uh, what's the name of Anwar Sadat, Mm. the president at that time of Egypt. Mm. He was the first Arab leader, I think, to recognize Israel.
1: And he he actually, I think that was not the reason why he was killed. Yeah, that was part of the reason he was killed,
0: because people were pissed off, like, the hell, man, they're supposed to destroy the the place. Mm. How are you going to destroy the place if they just hammered you know <laughs> they just hammered in a war? And they are willing to return the land that they took from you. Mm. And they actually returned it. I think this was in 73. Mm. Returned the land. And up now, Egypt and Israel have very good relations. Re- relatively speaking, I mean, considering that almost all other Arab countries want Israel to die mm. until last year when they had this, last year of the year before when Trump and Kushner negotiated mm. these deals to have lots more Arab countries recognizing Israel. Mm. Um, I think they succeeded in the Saudis. Yeah, mm. uh, the Saudis, the Emirates, mm. um and a bunch of other other Arab states mm. uh, got to recognize Israel. But anyway, the reason I bring this up, and I'm sure we can go into this <laughs> this topic big time, because it's a, it's a huge, ongoing topic. Yes. But the reason I bring this up is that somebody... Mm just slid into the responses there, mm. comments, and started hammering me. Because mm. I said, Palestine doesn't want to be free. You know, like, they could have formed a state a long time ago. Mm. 1936. Mm. They had the chance, 1936. They had the chance in forty-seven, mm. They had the chance in 67. Mm. They had the chance in 205 when Israel unilaterally withdrew from Gaza. Mm. Completely left mm. the place. Mm. And then, you know, what happens? Hamas comes in. Mm. And starts ruling the place. Now imagine having a country mm. Right border in yours, mm. run by, by an Islamist group. terrorist organization. I mean, Somalia was not run by Al-Shabaab. Mm. We invaded Somalia. <laughs> you know, we are still there, we still have boots on the ground in Somalia, precisely because from Somalia, this terrorist organization called Al-Shabaab mm. not only destabilizes Somalia but attacks us. So we invade and we mm. we kick their butts. Mm. you. Anyway. so this guy slips into my DMs. And starts to say you know uh, you seem to be very ignorant ignorant for somebody uh, who comes from a a continent with a history of oppression mm. Now, <laughs> There's lots of things To unpack there The first thing I did Was go into the guy's profile And I thought He had like six followers <laughs> It's like He's <laughs> he's looking for an argument But then I decided Let me be nice And try and like Have a conversation with him <laughs> And the conversation went on uh, Because first of all It started by Going them. I mean, you mm. said you reek of ignorance. Mm. <laughs> you don't need to be so nasty. Mm. You know, <laughs> like, you're arguing with a stranger on the internet. This is somebody you've never met. You can just come and start insulting people. Mm-hmm. So I told him that nicely, and then I said, "But let's 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 try and have this conversation." So we, anyway, it did end because these things never end. Yes. So at some point, I just told him, it's "Okay, if it seems you have different opinions, mm-hmm. there's no way we're going to hash it out mm-hmm. in tweets." Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I think that's what conversations like this are meant for. Yes but bring, considering that he brings up the history of my continent as a, as a continent whose history is full of colonial oppression and and subjugation and all that I found that very underhanded because mm. it assumes mm. that just because my continent has that um, mm. history therefore everybody understands it just because because first of all, that's not something unique. Mm. Every continent has a history of colonialism and oppression. Every single continent. I don't think there's any continent where colonialism has not happened.
2: Mm.
0: No, they say ah, but Europe. No, no, Europe mm. was colonized multiple times mm. by multiple empires.
2: Mm.
0: I mean, it was only until like the, the 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 late 1800s that the Ottomans were being kicked out of most of Eastern Europe. Yes, it was not the Roman Empire colonized. The Europeans colonized one another. Mm. You know, um, Britain. Mm-hmm. Up to now, has Gibraltar mm-hmm. at <laughs> the bottom of Spain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, Spain itself colonized the Netherlands and Belgium. Mm-hmm. Napoleon, in the early eighteen hundreds, was invading all of Europe. Hitler colonized Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's and that was forty-five. You know, up to nineteen forty-five. So it's not, it's not something unique. And more or less, more than more than that, it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean the same thing. Mm-hmm you Know to the way I look at the world now. I so, question. the yeah. question
1: that what they're bringing out there is a question of identity as the assumption that if you have certain features or if you have, say, a specific uh, social or geographic background, then necessarily your ideas should be pigeonholed into like certain categories, you should not, you should always be maybe pro-Palestine, pro-things uh, like they call, uh, what is it, gender equality. You see some yeah. of those minority, a lot of those minority yeah. ideas. Yeah. Which is also something I found to be, which distorts the, the narrative. Yeah. And assume that people are not actually degrades people because it assumes these people cannot think for themselves they yeah. the yeah. automatons and they should only be thinking in a, in a certain boxed way. way. Yes. yes. Uh, it's yeah, it's unfortunate. It's just
0: because I'm an African mm. You know, I and mean, then this guy brings up but yo, you know, Israel colonized the place. Mm. Uh, you know the way like you Kenyans you Kenyans got your independence from Britain mm-hmm. you know, after fighting mm-hmm. Told the guy you know what Britain created Kenya <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Kenya yeah. yeah, yeah. Ken- 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 is actually a, a creation
0: Africa you you almost the whole of Africa yeah, was created by the whole idea of Africa even as one mm-hmm.
2: unit mm-hmm. is not an African idea
0: yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's, it's a very recent one of course it owes it owes a lot to the development of ideas and a lot also to Pan-Africanism and all this nonsense. But mm-hmm. I, I call it nonsense not because I, I want to dismiss it or anything like that, but I like to use that word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, the very conceptual framework that underpins the idea of Africa mm-hmm. is not was not developed in Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah because it's the idea of the nation state. Yes. It's the idea of social identities as as being definitive. Yes. And even in Europe that idea is very recent. Mm. You no know, people don't realize that. Italy for example was not unified until 1890 something. Mm. Germany in its current borders mm. didn't exist until 1945. Well, not even in 1980. When did the Berlin Wall fall? Sometime um, in the ninety one or nineteen ninety yeah. when Germany was reunified. Yes. Yeah. Um, but even before that, nineteen before the the Germany mm. of which Hitler was a chancellor had different boundaries from the current Germany. Mm. Yeah, it extended quite a bit into 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 because Prussia, which is which became like the core of Germany had portions of Poland.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah? I mean, if you look at that map, there's a way it goes a little on the north, especially. Mm-hmm. Kaliningrad, what is now Kaliningrad? Mm-hmm. This, this ex- exclave, exclave of Russia that mm-hmm. is surrounded on one side by Poland, I think, the other side by Estonia. Yeah, It's on the Baltic Sea. Mm-hmm. It was called Fredericksburg. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a portion of Prussia, actually.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And I think the, The Russians took it either during the First World War or the Second World War. Mm. Yeah, and they keep it up to now. Mm. It's like one of their only open ports during winter because most of the other ports freeze off, (laughs) (laughs) so they can't get their ships out. Mm.
1: Yeah, but I think identity identity is ideally something that is very fluid. There are certain elements that are, could say, more or less concrete Mm. over time, but. There's even this issue uh, talking about with Mike of who can you really, if you're talking about like the Lua nation, yeah, can you really say, pinpoint it's what the Lua yeah. nation is? Yeah. I think things like that, for instance, are, for me, I've argued for, for a specific period of time that the idea of a Lua nation has maybe been defined more recently by the Odingas and the cult of the Odingas. Yeah. But when you look at it historically, there isn't really something you would call a Luo nation. Mm. The only thing that po- that sort of connects us is that so-called, um, what did you say, joint ancestor. Mm. It's Luo the Great from... Ramogi in Sudan, yeah. But when you come which to which, look at, which might actually be mythological, which might actually be mythological, because yeah. if you see some of the stories, a lot of them have those aspects of yeah, it's been mythologized yeah. So if you look at even if you look at the Luo people speaking peoples from from Luo Nyanza in Kenya, mm-hmm. you find like a lot of them have. They have very different views on who they are. Yeah. People don't necessarily agree. These are people who used to fight against each other, conquer land, subjugate one another. So you can't really say that they, some of these identities lie in stone. The idea of the fact that those are fishermen and their staple food is fish is actually very that's that's in text, that's in
0: textbooks. That's in textbooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and actually it, it it presumes that uh, and I think this is this is the one thing that many it's very hard to think about it like to conceptualize but mm. the idea that identity is not stable mm. and that when you talk of identity you mean so many different things. Mm at so many different levels of analysis. Because when you talk of the law, I mean, what do you mean? Mm. Do you mean the law peoples of Kenya, Mm. the law peoples of Tanzania, of Uganda? Do you mean the larger group that speaks very similar languages, you no? Know? the Acholi, mm. the Lango, the Padola, mm. you know? do you mean the larger Lugo community that includes the Nuer, the mm. Acho, the Dinka, and the, 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 you know, or do you mean the even larger East Sudanic peoples? or even the, I mean, it, it, it depends so much on, like, but for you to define identity, you have to first have uh, a motivation, like, maybe mm. identity, the Definition of the identity is not independent of your motives for defining it, mm. you know. And so, if you are if you want to like make it a political ploy within the context of Kenya, you know, in terms of power, power play, mm. then uh, uh, you defend the new people as a the people who speak the new language who live within Kenya, mm. even there, there's already so many complexities because. There's so many people who have that ancestry who don't speak the law mm. anymore. Mm. There's a bunch of them who are not married within the community, and so their kids don't speak, you know. So there's already that complexity. How do you define heritability of identity, of social identities? Um, it's just <laughs> And yet, mm-hmm. there is a necessity many times to define identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because otherwise you, you, can't, you can't have a conversation. So I think people, people either put them, put themselves in one camp or the other, they say identity doesn't exist,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or that identity is everything. Mm-hmm. And in our case, I think the people who say identity is uh, fast, doesn't exist, are very few. Mm-hmm. Many people are very identitarian, mm-hmm. and then they put all store by the identities that they define. Mm-hmm. And that's harmful, because in. The fact that you've already made it everything means that you cannot, you cannot, you cannot grow, mm. you know, because whatever I, I defines identity
1: is always in flux. Mm. It's always changing. Yeah, yeah. like I, like I've seen, especially when you you try and not say and okay, let's analyze the issue. For instance, let's break down this person yeah. who you said identifies as as a specific specific group. So let's say, for instance, let's pick uh, an example. Railo Dinga says one one of the things he speaks about is uh, the kingdom of Bunyoro and to say that laws have had an influence on the political destinies of a lot of kingdoms over a period of time. Mm. So he talks of the Babito dynasty. Mm. But when you break down, when you come and check the History of some of these people, like some of the first kings of that dynasty, you see that sometimes even their their paternity is is is, is in question. You see, yeah. maybe they are not really entirely Luo. Yeah. There's another. This guy married into he married maybe an Acholi woman mm. who had connections to maybe one of these Luo kingdoms in 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 southern Sudan. Then you continually start to question whether or not. This 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 person is entirely one thing. So yeah. when you define it, sometimes when you define things on only one aspect, it yeah. becomes very difficult for, yeah. for people to take it for people to take it wholesale that there's more nuance to this person. So there's no possibility of somebody carrying just one yeah. idea. Yeah. Can I can you answer this one?
0: Uh yeah, I think you should mm. I <clears throat> yeah. Hello. I ju- just don't say secret mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, I realize I did. Wow. I did introduce. Uh, I did introduce the person I'm talking to. So while he's taking a phone call, um, yeah. Uh, well, but I guess if you're listening to this, you already have. Uh, you already have what is it called? Mm, uh, you already have seen the name because we you to click onto this episode then you have seen the name of the person that I am talking But anyway, he's called Daniel, Daniel Kobimbo. Uh, yeah, Daniel Kobimbo. Daniel o- Otieno, I think, Kobimbo. And he's a lawyer. Yeah, uh, yeah. he's a lawyer. And uh, I think, yeah, he works for the government of Kenya. I will not say exactly in, in what role. Um, yeah, and for those of you who can get... Freedom of information requests, you know, you can go and ask whichever office thing it is that grants those things to tell you which office does Daniel Kobimbo work in. Um, yeah, um, yeah, so that's, 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 that's the guy and I have known him for how long now? My God, it's been, when did I first meet this fella? Must have been 2012. So that's nine years. Yeah, nine years is a long time to know somebody. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, nine years is a very long time to know somebody. And uh, yeah, we've been friends um, for most of that time. There was a time when we like fell out of contact for for a long time. I think one or two years. Um, yeah, but then fate brought us back in contact, I think. A bunch of A bunch of uh, circumstances aligned. And we met again, and so we've been friends ever since. Um, yeah, and we are recording this podcast in person. That's why he has gone off to take <laughs> to take a phone call. Um, so this episode four of uh, my podcast is, is the first one that's being recorded in person. Um another thing worthy of mentioned in the interlude while he comes is that ah, you know what, I could have paused this. I could have post this recording, or I could just yeah. Maybe I'll cut this out. No, no, no. I won't, now because I've been talking all this time. You guys have to hear. You guys have to hear my rambling. Um. Or oh, you guys. I don't presume that many people people are listening to this uh, episode in a group. You're listening to it alone, sindio. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, you'll just listen to this. It'll come back shortly, so it'll become much more interesting later. But the other thing I wanted to say, which is interesting to mention, is that you might notice this by the time you're clicking on this episode, that I have changed the name of the podcast. So, you know, I was just rambling oh. along so, <laughs> so that the, you, know, uh, you can fill this in. And I was just saying, I, wanted to, I should have told you this at the beginning. I'm mm. thinking of renaming the podcast
1: Two. to to uh,
0: to Abiero on the loose oh. yeah I, I asked somebody to give me an opinion on that just one person mm. and he said that it's very nice he nice. <laughs> <laughs> said that the name is nice <laughs> and I have a new what is it uh, a new logo no 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 Like a cover art, new, Mm. new, whatever, new, new, new cover art. The guys listening to this will will see. Okay. No, I still haven't uh, come around to calling because you see, when people listen to podcast, I don't think they listen to it in a group. So this is this is this is the new logo.
1: Ah, this looks good.
0: Uh, Yeah. I I think it. There's no harm in tying it to my name. Yeah. (laughs) And and I found no protocols observed to be very hard to pronounce. Mm -mm. Yeah, like you can't you can't say it. Doesn't roll off in the tongue. Yeah, you have to be very deliberate. Yeah. You have to enunciate things. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was just saying to whoever is listening to this that they will mm. they will be the first to to listen to the podcast under the new name. Okay. Yeah. And I just gave a bit of a biography. No, mm. not a biography. A Bit of a description of who you are because I realized we didn't mention that mm. at the beginning also. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, basically, I said that uh, I said your name. That you work for the government of Kenya, mm. but I didn't say how. But mm. well, I said you're a lawyer. Mm. Um, so I was mentioning that if anybody wants to know, they can go to the Freedom of Information Office <laughs> <laughs> and ask for for Daniel Kibiu like which role does Daniel Kibiu <laughs> do <put, laughs> for the government? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think think that that should that should hide your identity enough. Yes. Yeah, without, wow. although although there's. There's really nothing to hide.
1: Yeah, okay. Sometimes you see the the we are uh, uh, the guy who taught us professional ethics said that whenever it comes when whenever it comes to an ethical question and you have doubts mm. you should always err on the side of caution caution. Yeah. So it's just out of an abundance of caution yeah. plus some of the issues that I can't speak on. Yeah it's because of clarity because you see public law issues sometimes one person may be making a statement based on their own private opinion yeah but you see sometimes your job follows you everywhere so it's difficult to put aside the heart and say that at this point I was you may be you may be speaking out of your own freedom of conscience and uh and liberty, yeah. but you may, you may be distorting issues that perhaps it's best for somebody with the authority to speak on that directly, yeah, to address it. Yeah. So
0: your your personal opinion gets conflated with yeah. the yeah. the opinion of the office that you
1: yeah. that you hold. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. Um, it's very difficult, but I think I think people should be smart enough nowadays to to see that. I mean. Mm-hmm. Um. There, the there was a, some, a parallel problem that arose this week. Actually, out of that BBI ruling, mm-hmm. some guys are pissed off that the judges mm-hmm. <laughs> addressed the president mm-hmm. as Mister <laughs> Urumuiga Kenyatta mm-hmm.
1: instead of as you know His Excellency the President. They should have because yeah, you, yeah. see, I think some of those people have mm-hmm. they have they have. I think they have a point. Yeah, for one. Mm-hmm. Because um you see, when you see somebody has violated the the law,
2: yeah
1: regardless of whether you think they're violating the law, that does not take away their their dignity first mm. as a person mm. or the whatever office they hold, especially an office that that powerful. Yeah. And that is, important. And that important. Yeah. So I think as far as as far as keeping things, uh, moderate, yeah, and civil, and un- civil, yeah, it's always it's always best to, to speak with respect, with at- utmost respect, while still not not, um, mincing words, yeah, because then they also they also give their critics mm.
0: a club with which to beat, yes, them. yeah. I mean, they could yeah. still have expressed the same opinion, yeah. uh, while. While not showing any disdain whatsoever for the person uh, of 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 the president,
1: I think it shows. Perhaps it even shows because when, from my experience, I've seen, especially when least expected, very senior lawyers, even on on, on, on the even in public, on social media, and even sometimes in court, yeah. people will not. We have lost that 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 Greek sense of, of the classical sense of of dialogue that yeah. you can disagree with the person and not decide to to go for a dominant attacks. So yeah. for when when such when you hear that from people who are very supposed people who should know better yeah. and people who are supposed to be learned. I mean, you're not talking about mere mere lawyers. Yeah. These like are you're saying there crop of the juristical bench. These are people who should actually know better. So perhaps says we might still have a long way to go. Yeah. And it's sometimes very especially when you're trying to resolve disputes. You do not resolve a dispute by Throw in a, <laughs> minabin making, minabin making
0: like things <laughs> worse, <people laughs> <for us. laughs> like hey, just just pop the top of the tank, throw in something <laughs> and cover it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, I mean, as as that's a question more of decorum than of substance. Mm. But of course, decorum
1: is important. But uh, like, you see, this is and a political, and it a, may you may talk of substance. Yeah. Yes, and I agree with you fully that. Mm. Those are maybe, maybe lapses, but you not, because they refer it's, to yeah. them more than, more than a couple of times. The newspaper said uh, 13 times. 13 times. <laughs> That's the newspaper. I'm yeah. still reading. For me, I'm still reading the judgment. Yeah. Uh, some things are coming out to me. I don't necessarily want to make um, final statements on yeah. such issues. Because it's a big jar. It's a big I listened yeah. to like
0: thirty minutes of it, I think from like paragraph six hundred and something all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, I mean these guys are just a stuff. <laughs> but anyway, um the, the thing you bring you bring out that yeah, it might be a question of decorum, mm-hmm. which I think it is fundamentally, but it's very hard for people to,
1: to different to
0: differentiate. Yeah, yeah. Like a casual yeah, a casual observer mm-hmm. who is not really interested in drawing out the subtleties. Mm-hmm. Yes, man, you guys are disrespecting not just the president, but the office of the president. The office. Yeah, A right. constitutional office yeah. for, for that one. Yeah. And you guys are claiming to be a constitutional.
1: Yeah. Uh, you see, for me, I, 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 I don't, don't know. know. I don't know why they've always they've always made it's almost like when it comes to situation where for instance certain people yeah. are are, are guns. they're always treated with with with, with with disrespect or mm. it seems like there's an enemy we're always trying to to fight and yeah. it's it's the wrong way to go about it as as far as I'm concerned mm. but yeah you can you can still
0: hammer you can still hammer your enemy without without using a.
1: An iron hammer. Can you People, people won't won't be able to tell the difference because yeah. you see because see, th- those those same people voted for that yeah. guy as president.
0: I mean, he's the president of. Without, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and and this same guy is the one who appointed you guys. You know, mm. yes, the constitution gives you guys that independence, mm. but anyway, you know, I wanted to go back to <laughs> where we began because <laughs> this whole journey through Palestine to. To the president. Yeah. Started with the experience of African Americans mm. and the way the Easy Courts tried to leverage that in telling an African story. Mm. And there was something you were saying, and I just interrupted you to, to like add the context because people think that our experiences are the same, like mm. Africans and African Americans or people, the descendants of enslaved people, mm. enslaved Africans. Mm. I don't even know if they were called Africans at that time. Mm. Um yeah, and them trying to like draw a parallel between the experience and the colonial experience of Africa Mm. and that those two things are not the same thing. Mm. And while parallels might be drawn, parallels might be drawn between any two things, to be fair. I mean, uh, things as far removed as the Roman Empire and Kenya, um, things as far removed as... uh, uh, There's a leak in Antarctica, I think, to two kilometers below the ice mm. which is the largest lake in the world lake. <laughs> yeah it's called like Vostok yeah because yeah, yeah. it was discovered I think by the Russians mm. Vostok means east mm. um, yeah it's larger than all the other lakes in the world yeah it's huge mm. uh, I, I, some years ago there was a drilling expedition like those guys who were drilling mm. to try and see if there's life under there because there's never been light in that place mm for thousands of years. So they don't know if there's like microorganism. I didn't follow up to see what the results of that Mm. thing was. But yeah, I was just saying, you can draw parallels between that Mm. and Lake Victoria. They're both lakes. They have fresh water. (laughs) But drawing such a parallel is a stupid move. It's a adult-headed move. Just because a parallel can be drawn does not mean it should be drawn. Mm. And so this whole preoccupation of African-American intellectuals, at least on the left, to try and and draw parallels and to to tell uh, these two stories as if they were one story might not, I mean, might not be useful to either side. Although I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what perspective you wanted to bring in on based on based on Taneesikotes. No, no,
1: it's, it's 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 Black very partner. it's very true. He, I think, not not to draw away from because Tane mm-hmm. is a, is an intellectual, and I think he's. He's he's tried as much as possible to disabuse himself of certain notions mm-hmm. of the black struggle, whether in whether in the diaspora or on on the continent, the motherland, on the motherland. <laughs> but yeah. sometimes an an academic overview of things, as much as you may you may read as widely as possible, people say that you can only be or experience something by being in that social milieu milieu you cannot you cannot just think it you cannot just reason it out say for instance by anecdotal evidence or the opinions of other people that's why you could have you could have such the grammatically opposed views on what an african society is from an actual African intellectual, somebody who's lived here, somebody <clears throat> who's had the benefit of being connected to the history and the social dynamics, and, for instance, um, a British colonial administrator on the same issue, yeah. And these are people who are very, you on both sides, you can find them to be very enlightened. But the obviously the problem is that when. When you are viewing things, when you're studying an, an issue, you already come with preconceived notions. You're yes. viewing things from a lens, or like you're coming already with an interpretive... With an, framework.
0: an a priori interpretive from, yeah. framework. Interpretive yeah. framework. So
1: it is very difficult for you to divorce yourself from that and not impose some of the 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 notions that you already have in your mind yeah maybe sometimes not not entirely your fault yeah. but it's just the way things are yeah
0: and in fact i mean this this goes down even to the biological level i mean if people if if, if anybody doubts that this is the case mm. i mean even at the most fundamental levels our perception is is determined mm. <laughs> and that that has to be qualified i mean people have to take that <laughs> uh with the broadest mindset possible, Um, but our senses, okay, our dominant sense is sight, right? Which works only on electromagnetic waves. Mm -hmm. And only a portion <laughs> of the electromagnetic spectrum. And actually, you know, usually when, when, when you look at like those documents that show, you know, the, the whole electromagnetic spectrum and then they show the visible spectrum mm-hmm. and it looks like it's a significant portion of the electromagnetic spectrum. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the wavelengths we can see
2: mm-hmm.
0: are so tiny that if you drew the electromagnetic spectrum to scale,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it would not even be a line. No, the line would be too thick to <laughs> to cover. It's like it's like when you draw a a history of the earth, mm. four point five billion years mm. to now, and then you put the portion where human beings have been around anatomically, modern human beings who have been around for only two hundred thousand years. Mm. Now, on a scale of four point five billion years, if you draw that map, like if you if if let's say you draw a scale the size of this this room, one end from that end to the other, that's about what three point five meters. Yeah. The line, the sizes of a pencil line would be too wide mm. <laughs> to, <laughs> to cover 200,000 years on a scale like that. Because uh, you know what? 4.5 billion years, 2.25 billion is. Yeah, 2.25. 2.25. Yeah, 2.25 billion years is here. That's mm. like e- e- a billion years is a thousand million. <laughs> Divide that by uh-huh. it's it's insane. The line of a pencil will be too small. But anyway, people usually we, we usually draw that thing so that you can see that. Yeah. So the portion of the electromagnetic spectrum that we can use for perception is so small, mm-hmm. which means we are not seeing so much. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you if you if you consider, for example, that uh Or even another, another example, uh, hearing, mm. our hearing. I think our range is 20, kilo, 20 kilohertz to 44,000 kilohertz. Mm. There's so many other sounds beyond 44,000 kilohertz. And this range, the way I'm putting it might be wrong. It might be a different one. <laughs> and below might be so, so wide. And other animals perceive these things and we don't. Mm. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day you know, as a geologist one of the things that we did, we had trouble deciphering was why it seems that wild animals, some wild animals at least can figure out that there's an earthquake happening before before people figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know? Because human beings, we wait for the surface waves. okay, The ones that deform the surface. Mm-hmm. But the fastest waves are P waves. Mm-hmm. The ones that go and hit the, the mantle crust Boundary and bounce back Those ones go much faster because They're not depending on Anyway, that's a complicated Topic, but Mm -hmm. anyway So the PWA's usually arrive Mm fast So if you have seismometers, for example they'll pick up the P-waves before the surface waves come. The surface waves, the S-waves, are the destructive ones. Mm. So if you can figure out that there's an earthquake before the S-waves arrive, then maybe you can evacuate with them. That's how the Japanese train system can stop before an earthquake. Mm. Because they have all manner of seismometers picking up uh, earthquakes. And then when it it clutches, like the moment it picks up, you have like five seconds Mm. delay between the P-wave and the S-wave. So the P-wave arrives... And it triggers the brakes on all the trains in the country. So just screech to a halt. Mm. By the time the S-waves show up, Mm. the train is stopped. Mm. So the only damage that can arise is if the train tips over. But by that time, everybody is aware. Mm. So that's how they've never... I don't think they've had a fatality in the 50 or 60 years they've been operating the high-speed train, the Shinkansen Mm. system, um, arising from accidents. And this is in an earthquake-prone country. Mm. Anyway, so those P-waves... It seems as they hit the surface, Mm. they produce sound. You know, because the surface of the earth is like a diaphragm. That produces sound. But at wavelengths, Mm. Frequencies that our ears cannot pick up because our ears are tuned to only a portion yes. of the auditory spectrum. Mm-hmm. But these animals can pick that stuff up. Mm-hmm. You know, so you just see elephants taking off <laughs> 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 and, and antelopes, are, and I don't know what they are going. I mean, those things are going, but mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you are here. What the hell is going on? And then the surface of shows up. Like, ah. So that's what was happening. <laughs> but those guys are gone. I mean, they've taken off. They're, they're, they're fine because this sound comes up and they don't know what the hell they're hearing, you know. Mm. So it's a weird sound that they don't usually hear. So it's like maybe it's a predator or something. Mm. Um, yeah, and so even at the biological level, we are limited in what we see. Like, we, we, and this is, an, I I am loath to criticize Aristotle because, Mm. I mean, that's a towering intellect. And I'm not criticizing him. I'm just adding context to something that he was not aware of because he didn't have the technology that we do. Mm. But his argument was that we come into the world tabula rasa, you know, like we come in blank slate, Mm. tamcom tabula rasa, you know, like a blank slate. And then all of our, all of the information that we have, we learn. Mm. There's this famous painting. I think maybe you have seen it. Um, I think it's a Raphael, Is it Rafael? Rafael mm-hmm. of um uh this this school that Plato started the academy. Yes, yes. So there's a bunch of philosophers uh, all over know, the place. Done with the Aristotle like yeah, then Aristotle, like Aristotle and Plato like in, like like in yeah. the middle. There's a bunch of guys all over the place. Mm. Lots of philosophers. We can uh, just check because we have. It in yeah, it. and Aristotle and Plato are next to one another. Mm. And uh, Aristotle is like this. Eh? Mm. If you if you if you've seen the way in it, so Plato, Plato is pointing up. Yes, like he has his finger. Mm. His index finger pointing up. Mm. Aristotle is right beside him. Mm. And his hand is like this. Yeah. It's like he's pointing down. And many people don't know why that is. Mm. (laughs) The reason is this. Plato believed that all of our knowledge was remembered. Mm. You know? So, basically, we come into the world... As like we like we have fallen. You found it, eh? It's Raphael. Yeah. yeah, it's a Raphael, eh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we come into the world mm. from somewhere else. You can call it heaven, you can call it whatever. I don't I don't think they were very specific about where that was. Mm. But in that other world, the world of ideas, mm. okay? okay, we knew everything. Like everything is there. The perfect ideas are there, the ideas of everything. Then you come into the world, mm. and when you see a tree, it's not that you conceptualize trees that you remember, yeah, I have seen this thing somewhere else. It's just that when you fall into this material world, mm. your spirit is constrained by matter. And so it's like things are jumbled up, so it's not very clear to you what things are. But then when you see, it triggers your memory. So knowledge is memory. Plato, sorry, Aristotle comes and says, no, 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 bro. That's, that's not correct you cannot prove that this sort of ideas exist in the first place mm. but also experience shows that you know um, I learn what things are as I go along I don't know what they are but once I see one tree two tree three, three four trees then I can create this concept this category mm. of tree now it seems both of them were right <laughs> because for me to know that something is a tree I have to be able to see it first Okay, I have to have like um, the ma- machinery yes. to see the tree, mm. and that machinery will be made up of all of my senses. Mm. Okay, the different senses that come in together to integrate and form. A tree. When I see a tree, hear the rustle of its leaves, taste the fruit, you know, like the idea of tree is built up like that. Mm. But I would not have built up that idea if mm. I did not have the machinery in the first place yeah. to create the rudiments of the idea. And that machinery is not from me. I did create that machinery. It's Mm. it's been... I like that Peterson actually brings in this element of... uh, It's been built by evolution over 4.5 billion years.
2: Mm.
0: I can see those things precisely because I have inherited them from my ancestors Mm. in whom I potentially existed. Yes. You know, Mm. so there's an element of me coming up into the world as I come in, mm-hmm. but with so much stuff that's already built by my past. Like mm-hmm. I remember this stuff, not consciously, mm-hmm. but how do I put this? Um, it's built into me, like at a structural level, mm-hmm. and so I, I get I get to see that. So that thing you're saying that our perspective colors our perception. It's absolutely necessary. It's like putting on glasses. Like you have a certain pair of glasses, but they have a certain filter.
2: Yeah. And so
0: there's certain things you can see and there's certain things you cannot see. You cannot perceive them.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's built in into our structure, like as, as human beings, our whole skeleton. The very fact that we have eyes in front of us and not at the back yeah. means that there's so much that we just
1: there's a like half of the world mm. that I'm not seeing right now <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's something it, it's something that uh, I think a, a lot of like recent some of the more modern you could say renaissance philosophers have come to to say is more of a fact than, mm. than before this guy was reading some some weeks back this is uh it's called Neil Donald Walsh. He's I written a book that. called that "Conversations with God." So he tries to give the the he t- he tells us that we have all the, we all have this uh, divine aspect in us that knows everything and already comes to the world with. All this knowledge, mm-hmm. but you see, for for the sake of experience and for the sake of life, you cannot have life without experiencing it first. Yeah, it, it's sort of like a, a false dichotomy, but it says that for because God wants us yeah. to be able to have free will, despite yeah. the fact that we already know these things from an innate connection to God Himself. Yeah, the only way that we can Really make a choice and 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 determine on parts in life is coming to life. Yeah. Tabula rasa to some degree. <laughs> yeah, but this this tabula rasa does not mean that we come like a blank, 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 blank 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 blank. Yeah, blank. It's, it's
0: not. It's, it's only like that it's impossible
1: to be blank. You're wearing as as specific. It's like you you've seen things through mm. a, a veil. Yeah. So your eyes become open to a lot of these re- realities out of own particular life experiences, but it only reminds us of already what 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 we know. So we've already experienced this thing in the sort of this idealized world, this ideal dream world. So you have the dream already, you've already experienced it. But you come to a point where you you need to experience it first for the thing to
0: yeah, and it's important to understand that you having experienced it doesn't mean that you, like as a person, mm. have experienced it. It means that mm. the systems that led to you coming into being mm. were not... They are not tabularized. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. God God himself, um, mm. if you're talking like categorically about God, Already has, I mean, he knows everything, mm. and he's the one that's creating you. So the structure that leads to you coming into existence knows everything. Yes, mm. I, that might confuse <laughs> some, some, some people listening. But even if even if you don't believe in God as this 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 huge, um, you, you know, consciousness that's sitting outside of reality, and you know, even if you don't believe in that, even if you're just a, like an evolutionary person all those billions of years of evolution, they, they don't count for nothing. By the point I am being born, I am the product of all those years of evolution. Those years of evolution have built up a structure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They, they've seen it fit that instead of having four eyes, two are sufficient. Okay? And instead of having one at the front and one at the back, put them both in front. Yeah, uh, Instead of having four, five years, five ears, I have two. Mm-hmm. Instead of making me able to taste things from a distance, the thing has to touch my tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of you know, all all, all all of the systems that we use to perceive the world, instead of me having a much like having no frontal prefrontal cortex, I have one. You know, and so I, I am capable of abstract thought, which other animals that don't have a big, very big prefrontal cortex don't aren't capable of. So it, yes, you come into the world. Tongkat tabularasa, but you see, even the tabularasa, you know, tabularasa blank slate mm. is actually a slate. It's mm. not something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not a vacuum. Mm. Okay, it's a blank slate, which means it has the capacity to absorb knowledge.
1: I think the capacity, I think for even if you look at the the slate, the way it works, mm. from my experience, a slate has the capacity of being wiped clean. Yes, but there's also the The aspects that that slate has already been written on before before you you wipe it out. So it already has that impression. Yeah. You may not be able to see it once Mm. it's wiped out. Yeah. But there are already marks on it it. yes, yes. way, way before.
0: Yeah. And even if you're radical and you say you've just bought the slate, like from the supermarket, it's new. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely new. Mm -hmm. Bro, it's a slate. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a carpet. You know, it's not a carpet. It's not, uh, it's not something else. It's, it's this thing that has the capacity to absorb knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that's not an accident. That's, that's actually very important. Because if it was something, if it was nothing, like if it was like a vacuum, then there would be no possibility of it learning, mm-hmm. you know. So Aristotle was right by saying it's a blank slate. Plato was right by saying we remember things mm-hmm. because it just depends on what level of analysis uh, you take. Because both, the, the two things are very compatible. They're not opposed to one another. Mm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, going back to Tana Isikotts. <laughs> Tana Hissicots. You know, I, my first experience with Tana Hissicots was, I think, 2016. Mm. December. December.
1: Yes. That, that was around the same time he started writing that Black Panthers. Yes, 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 and, yes. And yes. It, for me, it was a lot. A lot of it was written in the style of. Uh, it was more aware of the geographical dynamics. And mm-hmm. uh, but it also, for me, now now that I come to think of it, it poses a lot of the same questions. Uh, I'm talking about the first six issues. Yeah. Because he he's done several iterations of. The black Panther series I have read uh, none of them I have only the first one I
0: have he never read a
1: comic he went to galactic yeah. about this galactic empire that was uh, traditionally from earth was ruled by by black civilization mm-hmm. but I'm speaking about the first one yeah. uh, where the story the whole story is centered in Wakanda in, in Africa yeah so he there's the this issue that he he brings out the the idea of who has the divine right to rule yeah and in the Wakandan society you have like there's a there's a, there's a monarchy that yeah. is there that has ruled from time and is correct connected to the spiritual sense of what the what Wakanda is yeah. but. As the story sort of progresses, this is a spoiler for anyone who's going to be reading that. Well. Ah, spoilers are welcome on this podcast. So,
0: If you <laughs> don't want spoilers, stop listening. No, 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 I, I don't think <laughs> Of course, I want people to listen. <laughs> so
1: he goes into... There's a point where they, his, his, uh, his royal guard, the Dora Milaje, mm. and some other elements start to bring out this sense that the the ruling elite that is uh, uh, the 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 warrior kings mm. are sort of removed from the they are out of touch mm-hmm. with with the problems of and society so yeah. there's this argument that starts to foment yeah that the whole idea of who has the divine right to rule yeah has changed from people who are, who are divine kings that get the authority from from the spiritual or divine world. Yeah. And that the idea to the power of people to rule comes from the people themselves. So that these people who are fomented this idea that the Wakandan, the civilian Wakandan, is the one who retains the right to, uh-huh. to power. Uh-huh. So they want to sort of take away this entire, this old establishment where the kings are already chosen by the gods. By bust. So by bust, exactly. So this thing starts to change. And for me, it it also sets into perspective a lot of the debate that is ongoing right now. The idea that this thing of, of popular... Power that power comes from, from the people. people, yes, and doesn't necessarily nowadays it doesn't come from a king who has a divine yeah. right to, yeah. to The leaders it. are chosen by God. The leaders are chosen by God. So, this is something that came out in the the, the judgment in the the BBI, yeah, where they're talking about. If you look at a lot of the provisions in the constitution, saying that the people are supreme yeah in the first the like, chapter 1 if you, and if you look at all the other chapters chapter 10 chapter 9 look at the, the preamble the, the first preamble. line of the constitution yeah, the first, like, we the people so kind of puts into perspective that entire idea of who has the divine right to to to, to rule and
0: or if there is such a thing as a divine right like where
1: does that right to, to rule come to, from yeah reside. yeah so it's an interesting interesting uh, idea but for me i think it's it in, in, in in the comic books do they
0: end up fomenting rebellion and rising up the, against it, them?
1: the book ends at the point where yeah. the rebellion has started but you see this thing has always been there's always been this eternal fight between yeah. the people's Power to rule themselves yeah. and the, the political establishment yeah. that still feels that that claims they the have power. a traditional role to yes. to power that they cannot cannot leave to the mob. Yeah. So it's always this dance of a bargain, and for as much as as much as the court argues may argue that. Um. These people reserve this right within themselves to make law and do all these things. I think it's always a bargain that is going always going to, it's never be going to satisfy one side. Yeah. If you look at documents like Magna Carta, yeah. Magna Carta was negotiated. F- over 10 times. Yeah. It never reached a point where you would say that the point is settled that the the king is going to occupy this position yeah, and the people are going to occupy this position yeah. for, for, for eternity. So yeah. it brings a lot of...
0: The Carta was not even a negotiation between the people and the king. Cause between be barons the, be and the nobles
1: and, yes, and, and, and the king. So, so there's always that representative Element, yeah, which 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 I think is is on the same continuum though,
0: isn't it? That, um, it was the first time that people below the king tried to say, you know, we have the same, Mm -hmm. we are the source of your authority as Mm -hmm. a king. Because once it's there, then people below those groups, socially speaking, Mm -hmm. can then come and say, what about like who gives you guys the right to represent us? Yes, and then below that, and all the way down to like the lowest social classes.
1: It's, but it's interesting how it's developed because when, when you the other time when we went to Nani's um, graduation, yeah. we were speaking about this thing of the king having two bodies—a yeah. body that is temporal yeah. and a body that resides celestial. That is celestial, transcendental. That is transcendental. Yeah. So, the, when in the say from in the in the ancient world, yeah. you see, this idea starts in Christianity, Christ having being both man. I'm and the divine, yes. so you see a lot of like a lot of the legal scholars borrow this theological tradition yeah. and place it into the political world, so that kings were thought to have both a physical, physical uh, existence, yeah, and also a transcendental existence. So something yeah, that they, they,
0: they used to carry, the European kings, they used to have this orb, orb with yeah, with a with a cross on top. Yes, you know, uh,
1: yes, I'm here, but
0: the right is given to me by mm-hmm. what this cross represents.
1: Yes, yeah. So it was almost like you could see even a lot of the paintings that were done about medieval on medieval kings. Yeah, their heads were always above the clouds. So you yeah. have cherubims. If you view a lot of those paintings, yeah, you'd have cherubims holding up a, a banner. Yeah, of the king's head. Yes, but then the rest of the body below the head yeah. was in the world. Was in the world. Yeah. So it's an idea that you could see has also also been replicated. They call it the um, they call it a legal fiction, yeah. creating a personality that does not exist on, in the. Oh, uh, which which Yuval Noah
0: Harari in um, you know Homo. No, no, no. Sapiens, mm. the book Sapiens. Mm. Um, Says that, that that's like one of the most important inventions of human history. Yes. The idea of moral persons, like mm. persons that are not human beings, mm. but that exist nevertheless. Mm. He uses an example in the book of uh, the company Pujo, but we can talk of any other company. Mm. That it's, I mean, Pujo exists up to now. Mm. The fellow who started Pujo, <laughs> whose name was, I don't know if his name was Pujo, but. Mm.
1: That guy is long dead. Pushers become eternal, land. and yeah, yeah. By the way, it's not—it's not by may not be just a strange correlation. Yeah, but there's a guy who tries to draw to draw inference and try to show you how 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 the idea of the company, yeah, a, a personality that cannot die, yeah, a natural death like a human being yeah. comes first from the theological. Ideology. Yeah. It has to, to come the from there. Then to the yeah. companies. Yeah. Now it has when
0: come, you, and, and, and actually that is possible. <laughs> it's possible to sue pusher. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> like you sue pusher, but it's 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 executives don't bear the consequences yeah. of yeah. that, that yeah. of
1: that yeah. suit. Yeah, it's, it's like difference. yeah, yeah. These people run the company, yes, but you're suing the company, not suing them. It's something. It's something. Now that i have seeing people like um adopting to. Well, it was different when you're talking about Jesus mm. and an actual king. Yeah. But when you start talking about companies, yeah, and then constitutions now and being seen as an artificial person, mm. something that has a spirit aside from itself that can speak about its qualities that are not in the physical world. Yeah. So. Part of the argument that was raised in this petition yeah. and was developed actually by yeah, that, by that idea, yes, is that the constitution itself has a spirit that yeah. it's not just an abstract document. It's yeah. not just a physical document that can be defined by its text. Yeah, that has yeah. a tradition and a spirit. Like there's yes. a
0: there's a there's a whole uh what do they prodrama, like is it prodroma or oh, like a cloud of ideas yes. around
1: uh, it that um, without those you cannot really interpret the constitution. In fact, they say that this is actually the constitution. Yes. they're talking about a constitution beyond the constitution. beyond the text constitution. What yes. they call constitutionalism. Yes, or uangigo. Yeah. I would want to say it to call it Wanjiko, because the only person who has the power to amend it is Wanjiko yeah. themselves. What was the term they
0: used? Um, there was a term they used, something principal, um, uh, which I found very nice, actually, because, I, I don't know, I, it wasn't, how do I put this? It wasn't like it was new, but I had never, like, I had it expressed that way. Mm. Um, Something, what is it called? Ah, the, the, uh, what was the term? You know this term. I'm sure you know the term. The, the whole idea of the constitution being more than just the document, like the document, something principle. Like there's some things that are some clauses of the constitution that are eternal clauses. Oh, and,
1: like the, yeah. the eternity immutable clauses. Yeah, yeah but it this stems from, from another term. This stems from the entire idea that if if an object or even the human being has an immutable aspect, yeah, that cannot. Cannot die. Yeah. So they are saying that there are these basic principles. Yeah. About constitutionalism. Yeah. That cannot subject to amendment. But my my. I mean, the, the very idea that a
0: republic can be organized by a constitution mm-hmm. and is organized by a constitution that that's not within the document. Yes. But it's 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 necessary for the constitution to function. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry to bring in a bit of because this this one thing is just bringing to my mind the. Uh, Aristotle's categories because mm. Aristotle has this the, the, the so-called Aristotelian categories are basically there's nine eh? mm. so there's what he calls substance and then there's essence no accident accident yeah. yes so if you look at although this is perfected in the human being which Aristotle also had a bit of trouble reconciling but let's think of a tree you know what makes you say that this tree is this tree and not any other tree mm. you know um I mean, the tree might... One day it has green leaves. The next day it has yellow leaves. One day it has no flowers. The next day it has flowers. Mm. One day it has no fruits. The next day it has fruits. One day it gets struck by lightning and half of it dies. Mm. But it's still the same tree. You know? So, Aristotle... This was something that pre... pre, um, The pre-Socratic philosophers really struggled with. Mm. You know? And that's where you find... Um, the two exemplars of this are Parmenides and and uh, Heraclitus. Parmenides basically resolved by saying change is impossible. Because you know, you look at the world and you're like, eh, it seems like things are always changing. Mm-hmm. But they're not changing. I mean, the tree is always changing, but it's the same tree. Mm-hmm. So is it really changing? <laughs> is it really changing? Mm-hmm. Um, so he said, no, no, maybe change is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yes, while I observe, the, the bloody tree is changing. I mean, this kid is born, as a baby, is so small, needy, even the bones are not properly fused. The, the human being grows until 70 years of age. It has gray hair. You know, at 40, it has abs. You know, all, all the stuff. But it's the same person. Mm. So, has he really changed? So, he said, no, no, change is, a, is an illusion. Mm. I can see it, yes, but my experience also tells me that things actually don't change. It's the same creature so, no. then after him or before him no i think after him heraclitus, uh, heraclitus comes along and says no 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 dude no. you can't say that change is an illusion yet we see it everywhere things are always changing this sense that we get that things stay like even while things change it's like the things remain no you know? um, the building is the same building even though the color has been changed no. <laughs> I think this is where uh, the the the, the parad- is it paradox is paradox the, the, the ship of Theseus? Mm. I think you, I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm. Theseus was this ancient exp- huh? the explorer, the guy the guy who went to, to the island of Crete and fought uh, some mythical creature and freed up a bunch of guys it's called Theseus. Mm. The story might be wrong, but anyway, he goes he has this ship that he uses to sail, and then he comes back and then the ship is put in a dock. And because it's an important ship for the people of Greece, you know, they constantly they want to preserve the ship. The ship is made of wood, Mm -hmm. and wood rots. So, because they want to preserve it, they keep replacing the wood that, I mean, the panels that rot. Until after some hundreds of years, none of the original planks of wood Mm -hmm. are, are left, you know. But the ship is still there. So, is it the same ship? <laughs> <laughs> it's a different ship. Anyway, the
1: solution comes from Aristotle. The, the big ship in the sky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, is it, is it the same ship or not? No, no. Anyway, um React just comes and says, no, 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 you guys, you can't tell me that change is, a, is, a, is an illusion. Mm-hmm. I can see things changing. Like my experience is that things change all the time. So this whole thing, this whole sense that we get that there's something remaining. You know, Matthew is Matthew at age two, and is the same Matthew at age 27, and he's the same Matthew if he gets to 50. That is the illusion.
2: Right.
0: Everything is change. So he created this thing called the flux hypothesis, Pantarae, like everything is change. Right. So our intellect is just trying to fool us into thinking that things stay the same, but he's the one who came up with this idea. Um, a man cannot swim in the same river twice, mm. because if he goes back to swim in that river, it will be a different river and it will be a different man. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which makes sense, by the way. You know, if you look at it yeah. properly. But it, of course, it it it, it, it collides with the idea of Parmenides. Mm. So it's only a history that later on came out and resolved and said, no, 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 both of you guys are right, except like at the most extreme. There is something that remains. You know, it's the same tree. Yes. But there are things that change. Mm. And so that's why he came up with these two categories, you no? So there's the substance, and then there's the accidents. Mm. The substance is what something is. Mm. It's what gives it. It's like it's the center of its being. Mm. And then the accidents are the things that specialize it, yes, but that can change. Accident is something that happens to you. Mm. So you happen to be, I don't know how tall you are, you know. That is an accident, because it's a, it's a question of quantity. So there's a bunch of accidents quantity, quality, relation, time. There's a bunch, I think there's like nine of them from Aristotle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so, and so he comes and says, Yeah, yeah. The substance is the most important thing mm. And the accidents can change Almost completely without changing the substance But of course there's certain levels of, of uh, I need to answer this Yes, uh, You have to answer that, okay, mm. cool yes, um, pause it. Yeah, I think this one I'll pause now mm. uh, Or rather I'll just cut it out Where was I? Um, oh yeah, so that was a pause So now we are back that part I won't cut out okay. uh, yeah so Aristotle says yeah yeah there's, there's, there's substance and accidents and act- the substance does not change the thing remains what it is mm-hmm. but the accidents that specify it you no know, specify is the wrong word to use because the substance specifies something it makes something a species so a lion is a lion even if it's painted like a like a hyena what distinguishes it, yeah? So, the, the lion ness of it, mm. it's not a close relationship with the essence, but essence and, and, and essay are a different conversation altogether, and so it stays what it is even if the accidents change. And I guess, well, and of course, there's some some levels of change of accidents which might end up making the substance untenable. Mm. So, a human being, for example, if he stops breathing. Mm. Breathing is an accidental thing. But if he stops breathing long enough, he stops being a human being. Mm. He becomes a body, a cadaver, you know? Um, yeah, but the reason I bring this up is that in relation to the. Man, what was this term that these guys use? Ah. Anyway, I forget the term. I'm sure it will come. Um,
1: we you can turn paraphrase.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, the body, body. Ah, no. Uh, yeah, but the whole idea that there's something that constitutes... He, they talked of it as a principle that is applicable to the Constitution.
1: They say... It's, uh, okay, I,
0: I had learned in some of the... I have the judgment, hey, man, you guys... To- <laughs> you have the whole bloody thing and you're reading it through, eh? Um, the, the, yeah, there's this point where this guy says this principle... Is applic- yes, something this something principle is applicable. I mean is applicable to the Kenyan constitution. And that's what allows them to then talk of eternity clauses and
1: oh you're talking about the doctrine of the basic structure.
0: Basic structure, thank you. Basic structure doctrine, yes, 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 yes. Um yeah, basically what they're saying is that there, there's there's like there's a substance to the constitution, there's something that makes the constitution what it is. Mm. And if you change that, mm. then it stops being the constitution. Yes, but there are certain things that you can change. And that's why we are talking of clauses that can be amended. Mm. But there are certain things that if you change, then you changed the whole constitution, which means, therefore, that yeah. you are like creating a new constitution. Okay, you see, the problem yeah. is
1: yeah. that that is that is all. Um, it's a it's a valuable argument, mm-hmm. but it's only made in the It cannot. You cannot take it wholesale Mm. and apply it here. That is the same notion of things. You cannot be being things from a certain prism without placing it in specific Mm contexts. Because the entire thing, the the entire reason they rely on in applying this doctrine is that it's been applied in other jurisdictions, Ah. on constitutions with similar Mm. provisions. But I find it hard to, because this is this is entirely mutunga's argument. They had a whole debate, with, yeah. with the former attorney General, like give my guy on how on the question of interpretation, this thing all boils down to how to interpret a, a text. Yeah. So from Mutunga's school of thought is that you cannot interpret a text just just on. The basis of, of the text, text on, on the basis of the text itself yeah. that you need to look at things like its history um, the social context and all these things like there are different factors that you need to take into consideration mm-hmm. but number one for me my, my biggest problem is that you see a judge is not the best person to be determining extra legal. Issues. Yeah, a judge. First of all, of course, you can take into account factual a factual basis. Yeah, but this has to be on the basis of evidence that yeah. is there. Yeah, I mean, people have to be there to testify. You need to hear evidence. So when you roam, when you start roaming into historical analysis, number one, you are not an expert on history. Yeah, as much as you may have people there, like uh, friends of the court, going to be historical experts. Yeah. Number one that is doubtful. Yeah. But and even they and even if they're historical experts, experts, they have a perspective from they this. They have a yeah. perspective. Yeah. So it's very for me it's very dangerous to start reading into to start reading doctrines yeah. into a text yeah. and letting this be done by a bench of an elite bench of, of, of judges because yeah. these are not people who because when if you're speaking of if you're saying that number one the text has something that it does not say in substance yeah so for you adding ideas or doctrines yeah. to it that are not there in text is yeah. tantamount to amending that same document yeah and you're doing it, this at it, a very main a minority Part of the society's group is the one that is doing this. So, yeah. for you to argue that it is the people who have the power to to speak life into this document yeah. or amend it to a certain degree on on basic issues like amendment itself, yeah. then for you to argue that these doctrines are part of this document, right? The document itself is contradict is actually contradicting you on this same issue. Yeah, with some of the issues that they are saying that cannot be amendable. Things like chapter 9 and chapter 10 are yeah. already provided for by the same constitution. The ah, same constitution says they can't they be, can be amended. Ah, okay. So that you see they're stepping out of the document yeah. and speaking I'm of looking for theological reasons yeah. to say that this thing exists yeah. aside from the text itself. Mm-hmm. And we we as judges have the power to tell you how, how far how far this spirit talks. you see, yeah. so it becomes very amorphous and chaotic for yeah. you. Yeah. So you can't really say the only person who can say that, well, you can't amend this is the court. So you see, it becomes becomes very problematic. Yeah. yeah,
0: but still, even this this position
1: that that you're that you're
0: espousing mm-hmm. sounds to me like an originalist.
1: It I is originalist yeah. because you see, unless unless the document gives you hints to, because they refer to a lot of historical texts. Mm-hmm. And say, for instance, the Constitution of Kenya Review Commission, some pieces of legislation that are not necessarily annexed to the Constitution of Kenya 2010. Mm. It is, these are documents that were analyzed by mm. the Constitutional Review Commission. Yeah. But the Constitution itself does not say does not that these are documents that should be. Taking take consideration, yeah, to interpret, yeah. interpret the constitution. So yeah. they are taking this holistic approach, but ignoring the document itself. Yeah, and then at the end of at least from my in my own opinion, creating chaos out of something that does not speak expressly on a lot of these issues because the judges themselves admit that there are no rules on how to. Yeah. amend the constitution. So they are making the rules as they as go, go along, yes. and creating a problem yeah. from out of it. So that would have been my biggest... Yeah. Be- but but, but, but could an, ag- an
0: argument could, make, could be made for the fact that by creating those rules mm. uh, they are opening the path for such rules to be either
1: thrown out and new rules created to Precise, yeah, yeah because to, parliament could decide, yes, to and, and say, and and say, there's, there's going to be a bill, a bill, yeah, we're going to put this bill in place and say, This is how we are going to, go yeah. about I and mean then that the would the
0: now bind that would court,
1: now bind, bind the courts, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So maybe, maybe they realize this. This, I don't know, I'm, I'm just trying to be charitable here. <laughs> maybe they realize these rules don't exist. Mm. Let's create a bunch of rules. If these guys don't challenge them, mm. our rules stay. If they challenge them, then at least new rules get created and then we have a more solid framework from which to you know. Or even, or, or even if they
1: appeal, which I think... See, from is from a point of... From a, if you're speaking of if you're really speaking of democracy and and I say this because it's not it's not that this, this judgment created this 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 uh, doctrines. Yeah, the doctrines that were created by Mutunga when Mutunga was still on the bench. Yeah, but even Mutunga himself. Mutunga was... himself identified yeah. the the basic structure of the constitution. Yeah, he's the one who started speaking of these ideas. Wait, basic structure is not something that comes from
0: a wider experience in the legal world. It's not.
1: Yeah, he borrowed. He's he's the one who you could say. What what I'm trying the point I'm trying to make is that this is this is not the judge. It's a school of thought. It's a school of thought because mm-hmm. the, the judges themselves point to case law from the Supreme Court of Kenya. Yeah, that say that the interpretation should be based on. Aha! Uh-huh,
0: because structure. this is the high court. This is the high court. So it has to it has to use, has, has, English, yeah, has I to I use precedence from the Supreme yeah.
1: Court. So so it's not even their fault. It's really, not, it not <laughs> their fault. It's a problem that. Yeah. When I tell you... Problem about, situations. <laughs> it's a situation that has yeah. been created by uh, the Mutunga bench mm. and the Maraga bench followed up. Yeah. But the, bit, the debate, you see, there's a different side to the debate. Yeah. It's not cast in stone that you should be interpreting the constitution in this social dynamic, dynamic aspect that yeah. should be... Looked but at but, but, but the is defense. the High Court competent to wade into such... Yes, they have the jurisdiction. The okay. ones who that is where all constitutional litigation begins from, as far as interpretation is concerned. Ah, okay. But the the issue that I'm am i have an issue with yeah. is that the whole debate about constitutional interpretation yes has not been cast in stone. Yeah. That it should be. It should not be textual because the argument is that this constitution, the constitution is not a mere document; that it's a living document. There's this yeah. idea that
0: it's yeah. the constitution yeah. is a is which a which, is like which is pernicious, like it just it just opens it just a, that door, yeah. slight door for people to just bring in things that the constitution itself does, does, not, does say. not have, yeah, or even things that a, like, the constitution
1: contradicts. It's it's now it now comes to be spurious the argument that. Amendments need to come through the through popular initiative or through Anjiko herself. Yeah. Because you see that the bench itself that is now constituted, yeah. and even historically yeah. from the days of Mutunga and Maraga, they've started this, this trend of Speaking into the constitution, ones that are not there in the text. <laughs>
0: Wait, so something. Imagine, really, I like that the default Kenyan is Wanjiko. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, it's a woman, <laughs> and then the women come and say, "Oh, Kenya is a patriarchal society. Patriarchal society. The default Kenyan is <laughs> Kenya is, a, is a it woman." A,
1: it was actually an. an Where did that thing come from? It was you? an accident of history. Yeah. From the constitutional review process. Uh-huh. It was Moy who coined. It it came from a statement that Moi made when ah. when the Yash the guy uh, commission, uh, commission yeah. said that the the public has to be involved yeah. in the constitution that they have to be they have to be consulted and they have to participate in the process. Yeah. So uh, Moi came out in a press conference and asked, "What does Wanjiko know about?" Constitutional decision. <laughs> so that
0: is <laughs> that is okay, yeah, that, oh, oh, okay. We hear you, bro. We're bringing in Manjiku <laughs>
1: Yeah, now really. It will be very for me. This is it's it's still a monumental monumental decision. Yeah, because it now crafts a new we we call them uh, a juristic person. Yeah, the very first juristic person was Christ. Yeah. Or maybe what, 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 like what, do you, what do you mean by that? Like when you speak of Christ, aside from the person, yes, Christ also has this immutable, eternal ah, self. Yeah, 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 That that is not subject to change. That pre-exists, and is corporeal, pre-exists corporeal and outlasts and corporeal. and aplastic, yeah. which which they take from from some of the Egyptian traditions, yeah. and then this follows into kingship in in the medieval era. In Europe, yes. Then later on follows into business associations. Yeah. The company now has like this juristic aspect that this is a person aside from its members. Yeah. And eventually now comes to... I think even Christ himself says that the, the individual person still has this juristic aspect, that yeah. this person has an immutable soul that Exist aside from the body that the body can perish, yeah. But the person still can exist at at a metaphysical yeah. level.
0: Ah, actually, on this, sorry, I to interrupt again. On this, you might want to read a fella called Etienne Jin mm. uh, I think Canadian, mm. yeah, Canadian philosopher who expounds a lot on uh, sorry Thomas Aquinas's philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's actually something that stamped Aristotle. Like he couldn't, he had. Like his observations were spot on, mm. but he couldn't resolve the issue of the human soul. Like he just couldn't. He tried everything he could, and he couldn't rationalize it. And it's only Aristotle and later on, Etienne Johnson, who mm. properly developed the idea. Because Aristotle could see mm. that there is something in the human being that that is capable of non-material actions. You know, actions cannot... An act cannot supersede the actor by nature. Like, in Mm. in terms of nature, your action can only be commensurate to your power to perform the action. Mm. Okay? Like, if I don't have a hand, there's no way I'm knocking this Mm. cup over. Mm. Which means if this cup is knocked over Mm. by me, then I have the power to knock it over. Mm. Okay? Now if that cup is knocked over and I don't have a hand then I have something else that can knock over that
2: power
0: mm. so it can knock over the cup mm. now in the human being you can see there's, there's things we can do that are physical no material, like I yes. can walk, I can run I can mm. eat, I can digest food, I can talk and all of these have material elements mm. but there's other things and those ones you can attribute to the fact that I have a body yes. you know, like there's a body, there's a voice box It produces Mm. vibrations. Those Mm. vibrations come out as Mm. sound. Mm. And I can organize that sound into into language.
2: Mm.
0: But the whole idea of organizing, like I am capable of performing organization. You know, uh, that I'm capable of thinking of tree without having any specific tree in mind. mind. Now, that starts to scratch the boundary of materialism because... An idea is not material. Hmm. An image is, you know, my imagination. Yes, can bring up specific trees.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But my, you said this is a Canadian.
0: Yeah, it's does, it,
1: does it borrow from? Because um, It
0: borrows mostly from from Nani, from, from Marie, from Thomas Aquinas. Thomas mostly, Aquinas. Like, yes. um, yeah.
1: Because a lot of French, or uh, French philosophers or people in the French tradition, guys like. Uh, the news and Spinoza. who also argue from Spinoza was a Jew. Mm.
0: I, I don't, I get the sense that the, the French have been more harmful. <laughs> 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 French philosophers have just, yeah. I mean, their the, the influence has just been. <laughs> The Germans have, have, the Germans have been more useful, <laughs> I think. <laughs> you know, the, the preeminent French philosopher is who? who um, René Descartes. Descartes. Yeah, 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 Who started the whole modern philosophy yeah. thing. Mm. And his main idea... <laughs> I like this. I like this a lot yeah. because of, this time I was hearing uh, Pielolo Lumumba. Oh boy, I hope Pielo does not listen to this. <laughs>
2: this
0: episode. There was this time he was giving a speech, I think in uh, Daystar. And he was thinking, you know... There's this point where he says, the great philosopher Rene De car once said, <laughs> um, I think therefore I am. I know, he says it not ergo sum. I think therefore I am. And so I asked myself, Kenyans, do we think... <laughs> The way you say that again, this is getting to understand what he was talking about. It's absurd <laughs> because if you so that, say, that, if that
1: you has you to nothing say, to do with what we you have saying that that <laughs> that um our capacity to reason yeah. or to conjure thought yeah. is the is what distinguishes our our like the fact of our being thing, then you would you cannot say that this cup <laughs> exists or... Yeah, like another. Because the, the cap has been, clearly. But, you know what? The
0: cat's position is quite persuasive, actually. Mm. I mean, if you just take it... If you... If you try and put yourself in his shoes, eh? Yes. Remember, car is writing, I think, 300 years or 400 years after Aquinas. Mm. The whole mm, scholastic philosophy tradition has almost died. Because after Aquinas, it's like, things just disappear. I think Things still happen, but it's like philosophers just withdraw. Mm. And so, Descartes, Descartes is actually not very well exposed to the medieval figures. Mm. It's like he's starting philosophy afresh. Mm. And the time he's starting things in... Okay, Descartes makes complete sense if you stop thinking of truth as something that is anchored on reality, but rather anchored on the person. Okay, the truth is somewhere in between. I mean, like...
1: less yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, so... It depends on my perception of the truth. And so, what the car was trying to do was to solve that problem. Like, how can I be sure that I know something? You know, yeah, I can see the car. It's here. It's right in front of me. But it could be my senses could lie to me. You know, senses lie to people. Mm -hmm. You know, you you just go stand on a lonely road at night and see cars that are coming. From the, the farthest distance, you will see it's like one headlight. Because it's so it's very fine the distance. And then as it comes closer and closer and closer, the two headlights differentiate and uh, maybe this is a car. Mm. You know? When it comes closer, maybe this is a truck. And it's only once the thing is within full view that you actually realize what it actually is. Mm. So our senses are not perfect. Our senses could be lying to us. And there's there's people who are who hallucinate. <laughs> so Considering the fact that those things happen Mm. Like how am I sure Then that the things that I know are actually true And so He ends up shifting From being a realist Which is what Aristotle and many Of the other classicists were Mm. Scholastics especially To being a You know so the question is not so much Whether something is true but whether I am Certain of it being true Okay so Certainty supersedes truth. Certainty becomes the measuring, the artistic for truth. Mm. And once you put you once you put certainty at the head of everything, then it it becomes like from my perspective. Mm. So he tries to boil down the things that I can be sure of. You know, am I sure that I have a hand? No. <laughs> I mean I am not sure. Like, yeah, I have a hand, yes, I have a hand. I can see it, but like, how am I sure that it is mine? Mm. could my senses be lying to me Mm. and so he boils it down all the way to the one thing that he is absolutely sure of which is the fact that I think like Mm. the fact that I think is the one thing I cannot doubt because even doubting it would prove that I'm thinking you know and it's very persuasive it makes a lot of sense but you see the conceptual framework like the foundational conceptual framework is already warped Mm. because it has swapped certainty for truth Mm. But once you accept that swapping, then everything else that car says makes sense. So when, when, when PLO says, I think, therefore I am, and then he asks Kenyans, do we think? Hmm. Like, dude, that, that's not what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's, no, 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 bro. Bro, did you, did you actually read beyond those two sentences? Because there's a whole treatise that he writes before he gets to, I think, therefore I am. And there's a whole other treatise he writes Beyond that. Isn't it? That sentence is like at the end of a paragraph in a whole yes. block. I forget the name of the book. De car at this time, the time he was writing this, was a teacher in the royal household of Sweden. Mm. Yeah. But he makes a lot of sense. Like I am quite sure. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you see, like right now, I've just I've just brought in my Cartesian side. But I am persuaded that if Descartes had been exposed to scholastic philosophers more, if he had read his Bonaventure and his uh, Aristotle and his um, the, the Arabic scholars Avicenna and, and Averroes, you know, all those guys, I'm quite sure, or rather I'm persuaded, <laughs> that, <laughs> that he, his, his perspective would, would have been very different. He would have advanced scholastic philosophy rather than studying modern philosophy. Yeah. But where where did we go with all this? Um, where did we this <laughs> where did this start? I forget where it started. But yeah, but um, certainty, certainty. We're oh, talking about, about
1: French philosophers.
0: Yeah, 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 French philosophers. But once 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 Descartes starts this whole thing, and you see now he starts it, and then it's like he's the founder of philosophy for for a bunch of years. Mm. Many philosophers don't know that the other philosophers before Descartes. Mm. Yeah. You know. Um, Kant Immanuel Kant, who's like one of the most brilliant minds that has ever existed
2: mm.
0: lived within a Cartesian framework his philosophy, which is very profound, like he made the best of what he could but from a Cartesian perspective mm. you? because he decided to focus on the appearances, the things that make themselves present, the senses, the phenomena and it's then like after like, after aristotle. him yeah, yeah. yeah then after him uh, so basically he was aristotle but within a limited framework because he was only working with a cartesian worldview
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so if if the car had not been there and Kant had have been exposed more i think to aristotle and to the classics Ay, man the the places would have gone and and you see this in heidegger who coming within coming up within the same. Tradition ends up just blowing outside the boundaries and develops a f- metaphysics that, if you go back to Aristotle, actually looks similar to Aristotle. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, the, whole, the whole idea of essences and essay, you know, acts of being, blah, his metaphysics is actually quite similar to Aristotle, yeah. but because he's still within the same conceptual framework that was started with Descartes, uh, like, he really stretches it to his extremes, you know? Yeah. yeah, and so that means that he ends up being quite similar to Aristotle. But he realized that if he had read more Aristotle, mm. he would not have gone to the trouble of developing his metaphysics. Mm. He would have advanced the metaphysics of Aristotle. Yeah. He would have been the second Thomas Aquinas, for example. Mm. But anyway, um, yeah, so my, my sense is that the, the French, if a French person listens to this, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think French philosophers have been more pernicious <laughs> than all of the other counterparts because they are very original, right? <laughs> they're super original, but then it's like they just come from the left field with some wacky ideas. <laughs> the whole idea of postmodernism is a French thing. Mm. Look at how folk postmodernism is writing on the world. It's actually messing up even France itself now. Because it went to the States and then just exploded in the States. Now it's coming back to France mm. and there's a whole mess there. You know. It's just Yeah, no, the French the French I respect them a lot for the originalism, but they're not very thorough. <laughs> it's like the 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 Germans have just been coming up to clean up their mess every single time. But the car the car was brilliant. Mm. The car was brilliant. I mean, I'm not dismissing this kids for like towering intellects. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not by any sense within the same ballpark. I don't think so. Mm. But having read them, I think the Germans the Germans were more. At like German philosophers of the modern and contemporary era, mm. phew, they're much more profound. Mm. In the sense that, like they, they actually make sense. Think of
1: Hegel, and think of Nietzsche, and you think of phew, even Karl Marx,
0: <laughs> who actually lived
1: a lot. I've been Hegel. more impressed by uh, even Gadamer, who followed a lot on uh, what Heidegger did, mm. and I think that. Part, Post, that's why I'm probably more inclined on his, uh, especially his ideas on on uh, on the social sciences, yeah, and particularly relating to the interpretation of texts. Cause a lot of his tradition is still adopted by by uh, uh, by guys like Scalia, yeah, um. I don't dispute the fact that context is important yeah. to to understanding a document, yeah, because it's the same. I think the same things always have two streams. That you have the more concrete essence yeah. that is there that has been crystallized, maybe confined into text, but the things that are also things that are also manifested through things like practice and tradition. Yeah. So you can't ignore that because it it gives meaning to the concrete aspects like what is the, the text. But you can only go so far in trying to determine what the tradition tells you yeah. and reading that in, into, <coughs> the document. into the document. So there has to be at the end of the day, if you are trying to give meaning to the document, then whatever you read from its tradition and the social context needs to to be in line with what is already there in the in the text. Yeah. So if yeah. your reading of it would seem to be completely removed at odds with, with the, the document from with the document, yeah. then I think that is a significant. I mean I mean you point. should know that yeah. okay. Yeah, clearly I'm I'm going out on link. Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, I, mean, I don't know, man. Kitampa used to be... I guess this is true, everyone. Mm. Very simple-minded about things. Mm. Lately, I've, I've... Even the whole idea of colonialism has just been... Because the way I see things now is that things are a lot more complex than a simple worldview can, mm. can give you. Mm. And, and it's... And you have to keep that fact in, in in mind, you know, you have to keep that fact in mind. You can't, because if, if you approach the world with a simple worldview, yeah, it, it's fine. I mean, it depends on your level of intellectual development, yes, but you approach it with a simple worldview that is rigid and then you become a totalitarian. Mm. Yeah, you become, you become worse than what whatever it is you're trying to fight. Mm. You know, when, when, when it becomes, okay, free Palestine or, no, 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 no. It's, it's not that simple Yeah, yeah, I mean even, even I, having looked at all the facts that I have access to, I think even in that issue of uh, Palestine versus Israel, I think I think the Palestinians bear more responsibility for the current situation than, than the Israelis because Israel's armed forces have never invaded any country, ever ever, 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 there's never been a point where Israel said we declare war on Jordan, on Egypt on Lebanon, on you know, they always act in response to attacks. Mm. Even the present crisis, yes, started how? This guy, this guys know for sure that it's Ramadan. Like they headed towards Eid. Mm-hmm. Then the mosque, the third holiest site of Islam, Al Aqsa, mm. which is actually built on top of the, the old the temple. temple. The Solomon's temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it really Solomon's temple? I think that temple like, was rebuilt by Herod no yeah, 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 yeah Solomon's temple mm. was raised by the by the Assyrians the Assyrians of the Babylonians it was brought to the ground then the Persians conquered yeah Babylonians Persians conquered uh, Babylon. you're
1: talking about no no yeah. i agree i agree with you because yeah. it was Ezra that came back with Ezra that, and Nehemiah uh, yes came back Ezra the high priest who came back and rebuilt I think it was Babylon
0: yes yeah, Babylon, Babylon Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, 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 no? Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, yeah.
1: So they and then after that the no, it was actually it was actually the Persians because No, the Persians did not raise the temple. No, but but the, the,
0: the, 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 the South the Southern Empire, the Southern, yeah. southern Kingdom, which yeah. had I think the Southern Kingdom had ten tribes. Then mm-hmm. the Northern Kingdom and was mm-hmm. was Judah and yeah. I forget which other one. Mm-hmm. The Southern Hey, wait, wait, was it the One of them was hammered by the Assyrians, mm. brought down. Mm. Judea, Judah survived, mm. then it was hammered by the Babylonians, mm. and then, uh, after I think hundred, two hundred years, because mm. like the book of the prophet Daniel is mm. written, even the whole the whole Old Testament is actually compiled in exile. Yeah, 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 in Babylon.
1: But if you're talking about the king who released... um, Cyrus. That was Cyrus. Cyrus, Cyrus, the the great king of Persia. Was king of Persia not of Babylon. Yes, not of Babylon.
0: So Persia conquered Babylon Mm. and all of the territories that Babylon Mm. ruled. Mm. And then he freed Ezra Mm. and a bunch of other exiles, the elites basically who are also in exile in Babylon. Mm. So the new guys go back and rebuild your, your temple. Mm. They rebuild it. But then the Hellenes came, the, the Greeks. Mm. This is the part that the Protestant Bible misses actually. because
1: oh, it doesn't have that. it doesn't
0: have this right. the section of the the Maccabees and mm-hmm. a bunch of other books, which so there's an actual destruction of the temple at that time. Yeah, they messed up the temple real but <laughs> it's in the Maccabees. yeah, and, and even it's corroborated by other historical documents. Mm-hmm. And so it's the Romans that then come. Mm-hmm. So this whole period between uh, Persia mm. and Rome mm.
1: is missing from the protest okay Bible. what, what but is the reason for that 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 gap because I've, 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 I've tried to grapple with it mm. uh, I, I I would I, I, I don't
0: want to speak categorically about it but uh, the Protestant Reformation took away certain like took off, scrubbed the Bible of inconvenient facts mm. yes. So yeah, there's there's sections of the epistles and James which Luther, for example, wasn't very happy with. Mm. So just a rest, um, these books that are now called apocryphals, <laughs> mm. the think the the seven of them, mm. were already there, but they were just dropped from the translations that were made from the Latin mm. to the to the other languages. I'm not very sure about this, so maybe we need to bring in a. A scriptural scholar at <laughs> some point to tell us about all this, um, yeah, but yeah, but they missed that section. But it's in it's in the Catholic version of the Bible has the mm. Maccabees, a Tobit. Okay, Tobit tells of the story of these guys in Nineveh. They Assyrian the Syrian. They Syrian exile, um, as well as, uh, I think, wisdom is wisdom. Mm. No, 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 Ecclesiasticus, Ecclesiasticus, the, the, then the, Baruch, yeah. um, and I, I think there are seven of those books. Mm. Anyway, so the Greeks show up, they also defy the temple, they bring it down, it's only the Romans who come in, and because the Romans want to be friends with everybody, they say, Jews, ah, you want your temple, okay, rebuild it. And so Herod, mm. in the period just before Christ is born, rebuilds the temple. That's why in the in the gospel, there's this section where Jesus talks of uh, he's actually talking about his own body being broke broken into pieces and then him reviving it. In, you know, mm-hmm. when Jesus uh, bring down demolish this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. Yes. And actually, that accusation is used against him in the house of Caiaphas mm. uh, during the passion, but. It's actually... And the guys say earlier on when he's talking about to bring down this body and we... No, then the, the Pharisees are like, dude, mm. it took 40 years to rebuild this thing. <laughs> you want to bring it down and build it in three days. Mm. Nonsense, you know. Mm. What they mean by those 40 years to rebuild the temple is Herod's rebuilding. Okay. And that was the one that really expanded the temple. Like it made it really big. Mm. So the Western wall that is there right now is from Herod's yeah. temple. Yeah. Yeah. And it's from the 40 years after Christ. Christ died when the Romans, Mm. after being fed up with Jewish rebellion, just destroyed. Like, they just flattened the Jerusalem. Mm. So, the whole temple was destroyed. Mm. This wall, I think, was on the brow of a hill. The western wall that these guys go to pray. So, that's why it's, it's like survived. Then, later on, after the, the Islamic conquest of the place, another temple was built on top. Because, you see, Muhammad claimed ancestry from Abraham. Mm. Yeah, because, Actually, for Muslims, Abraham did not go to sacrifice Isaac.
1: The sacrifice is he had to sacrifice Ishmael. Mm.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because many Muslims don't know this, and I, I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds. But <laughs> Muhammad, Muhammad, at the time of Muhammad, okay, there's a a Christian sect. Which has been declared heretical, mm. that is extant in Arabia. Mm. Okay, that had been started by Nestorius. It's called Nestorianism, mm. which denies the divinity of Christ. He talks of Christ as a prophet who is, you know, <laughs> so the whole idea when, when Muhammad goes to the Nestorians with his visions, okay, the Nestorians approve. Mm. Because they're like, yeah, you actually, you're talking about, yeah, Isa is a prophet. It's not, it's not, no, he's a prophet. He's the highest prophet, yes, but he's a prophet. Mm-hmm. That's the idea that Muhammad has of Christianity. A heretical Christian sect. Not canonical Christianity. Which at this time I think, <clears throat> he's just developing its western roots. So <clears throat> Yeah, many many of them don't know that, that fact that mm. Islam was sanctioned by a heretical Christianity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's only the Jews. The Jews rejected him. You know, you're like, you're a prophet, dude. Mm. Uh, no, mm. so we don't accept you. And that's that's where the hatred between the because the Jews didn't accept Muhammad. They're like, we've had all our prophets, but you're not. A, you're not even one of us. Okay, can you come here and tell us you're a prophet? Mm. Get out. But of course, at this time, there's Jews all over Arabia and all over the world, because after after Judea had been raised by the Romans, the Jews were exiled all over the place. Mm. It's only until 1947. No, no. Late 1800s, after 1947 that lots of Jews migrated back to the land that they initially called home. Mm. Um, hey, where did this begin? <laughs> I forget where this all began. Um, yeah, but anyway... Uh, Uh, ah, the the the, the fact that uh, these guys know it's Ramadan they're in Al-Aqsa mosque Mm. and then they start throwing rocks at Israeli police the Israeli police, the guys know this place is your holy site Mm. we don't want to come there Mm. because you guys consider consider us infidels Mm. like we don't want to come into the mosque we don't want to attack people why are you throwing stones at police Mm. is that peaceful protest Mm. so the police Retaliate. I mean, of course, you're not going to throw stones at police, yes, and then are just there. Even here in Kenya, you try doing that, you'll be shot. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it might be worse than that. If you want peaceful protest, protest peacefully. Yes. Yeah, yeah, protest peacefully. Of course, there are grievances. I think that some guys are going to be, to be displaced and evicted from their houses and all. It's okay. I mean, just do your protest peacefully. Not throw stones from a mosque at people you consider you consider, infidels because mm. they'll come into your mosque because these guys have experience of 60, 60 70 years of being pissed off by you guys. You mm. Know. Mm. Of course they're going to come in. Mm. Don't throw any stones. Mm. Carry your placards, walk peacefully, you know, so that if, if they actually react violently, it is clear that it was them provoking you. Mm. They do that. Israeli police go in you know, like they light up the, <laughs> <laughs> the light up the place. And then Hamas, Hamas, a terrorist organization, tells Israel that he remove the police from there. Uh, yeah. Dude, fuck off. <laughs> Just, uh, who are you to tell me to 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 remove? No, fuck off. Leave me alone. <laughs> then Hamas starts firing rockets into Israel. Uh, you know, Hamas is such a stupid organization. Anyway, I hope they don't come and kill me they come and slit my throat because <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of human beings they are By the way. these guys are bastards Anyway, you know, they're firing missiles from civilian homes mm. you know like you put a rocket battery on a roof of a residential house mm. and then you fire it of course it's going to be
1: raised down
0: yeah you fire it mm. into mm. Israel mm. first of all those rockets are not going to hit to the ground Because Israel has this sophisticated system, the Iron Dome system. It just, nothing is marvelous. It just brings down all the Mm. missiles that are coming in. Mm. Just plucks them out of the sky and drops them to the ground. Mm. Unless it's headed to a place where there's no, where there's no, nothing of importance. If it's going to a farmland, ah, okay, we'll let it fall. Mm. But it's going to a a neighborhood, a residential neighborhood. (laughs) It's plucked out of the sky nicely. Mm. So you're throwing I think they've now hit 2,000 rockets just firing 2,000 rockets and they're not even aiming at it. they're just firing them indiscriminately mm. you know, into Be'er Sheba and Tel Aviv and a bunch of they wrote, a bunch of well populated towns mm. imagine if those rockets all hit the ground mm. and then you're firing so now if, if the Israelis want to take out your rocket batteries and then you put them on residential houses mm. You know what these guys do? This this is the thing that amazed me, by the way. That Israel will not launch a strike without warning the civilians in that place. Mm. Like they drop leaflets, they send alerts on, on 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 email, they make phone calls. Yesterday they destroyed Yeah, yesterday being which date? What was the date yesterday? 15. 15. Yeah. yeah. They destroyed an office block that had a a building that had the offices of some some foreign press offices, Al Jazeera. Mm. I think AP had its offices there. Mm. Hamas had its intelligence offices there as well. Mm. They called these guys. And they called the landlord. Like... (laughs) They call the landlord an hour beforehand and said, "In next sort one of hour, we are going to bring down this building. Mm. Yeah, yeah. please evacuate everybody. Mm. Evacuate everybody. Just, just because we don't want to kill civilians. Mm. Yeah, that's which army does that? <laughs> we no. If somebody wanted to destroy civilians, they would just mm. shoot the place. Yeah, which we. Ah, they called the landlord. <laughs> How did they even get the number of the landlord? <laughs> like they went to the trouble of looking for the building number, getting the landlord's phone number and calling him and telling him, dude, please call all of your tenants and tell them to get out of the building. Let them carry out. We have a whole hour. Carry whatever they need to carry. Get out of the building. Mm. This building is being used by as power intelligence mm. by our enemies. Mm. They're using it to stage operations against us. We need to destroy it. Mm. So just get out all of your residents, please. Mm. I mean, dude, no army has ever done this. No, no, no guy tells you I'm going to hammer you. Yeah. Yeah, please um, get rid. Yeah, you know, just. <laughs> just go away and then they strike the building with surgical precision there's like buildings on both sides you know mm. they hit it with rockets at the foundation so that the building came down like a like a planned demolition yeah. so that it did not hurt anybody <laughs> yeah. then you come and tell me that you're oh, Israel come on man <laughs> come on I mean, if it was Kenya, a bag you were We've just be hammering <laughs> those guys
1: down there, <laughs> you know, you just launch no attacks, yeah, just launch attack, you know, you just launch an attack. You how about those guys? <laughs> you know? But anyway, where? the there are always two sides to a story. <clears throat> I I never want to to voice an opinion that is uh, is is definitive, yeah. seems almost definitive of the issue. I think the best. For me, sometimes is to let the actual people who are concerned to to hash out the issue and talk about it. Sometimes you may, may be very far removed from yeah some of the nuances involved. Yeah. So as much as we may be more say critical than the general public and be able to to hash out so-called bullshit. Yeah. Sometimes it's best if those people who are actually involved to be part of the discussion. Not to say that people should not discuss issues of public interest.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, no, it's true, it's true. Of course, I'm just looking at this whole thing and yeah, I think people are being just dishonest a lot, mm. and of course, they, they, I think the whole the point from which this whole thing comes out. Oh, sorry, just before you even go there, there's this TED talk given by Chimamanda Adichie. Mm. I, I don't, don't follow, I don't know if you've watched it. I don't follow. Yeah, uh, uh, they, they, no, there's one TED talk that she gave called "The Danger of a Single Story," mm. which I've been thinking a lot about lately. Especially since I've been reconsidering my perceptions of the colonial history of Africa. Mm. Um, yeah, where she talks of, you know, this temptation to tell a story from only one perspective mm. all the time, she she gives two examples. One is uh, they had, when she was a kid in her family, they had this house help, house help, or, or shamba boy, I think. Mm. Whom I mean who was not the same in the same social class. Mm. And so she couldn't think of this person as having being able of to 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 partake or rather to being able to express abstract thought, something like to have dreams, you know, the things that people in the middle class normally engage in. Mm. That's one and then she goes to the states and the story that the people in the States have of her background is very one-sided. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she basically says, yeah, maybe, maybe you need to try and look at the story from the perspective of the other side. But I think whenever whenever you're talking of a, a society, and no offense against, I have Muslim friends, and I hope I won't offend them with this, but... It's a bit complicated when it comes to Islam. Mm. Yeah, things get uh, things get all squirrely, you know. Like it's just it's it's very hard to tell a story about Islam. Mm. Even Peterson actually contends with this when he says that you know he doesn't know what to make of the fact that Muhammad was a warlord. Mm. <laughs> 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 like there's many things you can say about Christ, you know, even violent things, mm-hmm. but. One thing that Christ was not is a warlord. Mm. There's many things you can say about Buddha. One thing he was not, warlord.
3: Mm.
0: Even Abraham, you know, Abraham actually there was a time when he actually mastered a whole group and went after kings who had kidnapped Lot Mm. and hammered them in battle. But he was not a warlord.
1: Well, okay, I, I then, agree, on, I agree yeah. with Peterson on a lot of things, mm. but that is one where I'm not, not convinced. Because mm. if you look at the history of, of, theologically speaking, yeah, about the people who you could say that God has found favor with, they are yeah. not, some of them were actually good people who yeah. you could say that this is a virtuous person. Mm. But there are people who are not necessarily virtuous as in some of them are called blooded killers, as in David was the ideal sense of a warrior. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you could not you
0: could no, not forget about that. I mean, actually and I don't think therefore that you disagree with Peterson on this, because he actually brings it up. Mm. In the case of Jacob.
1: Mm. So <laughs> mm.
0: I mean, this is the guy who founds Israel
1: the genealogy of and the Messiah. St- stole his, his and brothers. he's just a rascal <laughs> throughout <laughs>
0: from the beginning. This guy is just you you wouldn't want Jacob as a friend, you know. <laughs> Dude uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, no, no. You mm. keep keep to your <laughs> keep to mine your story issue. You know? Mm. Yeah. No, but I mean it's a fact. Mohammed was a woman. Mm. Um there's this recently Ayan Hirsi Ali and I understand the paradox of quoting an ex-Muslim as an authority in Islam. Mm. The same way I would, I would preach that somebody quoting an ex-Christian as an authority of Christianity. Mm. But having being aware of that fact, there's this dichotomy she draws between Muhammad in Mecca and Muhammad in Medina. Mm. In Mecca, Muhammad is a very peaceful character. He's one for converting people mm. without forcing them to convert. Like Purely through the force of argument, Mm. but when he goes into Medina, which is where he now launches, jihad, yeah, the whole jihad. That I mean, like in his own lifetime, he sees Islam just explode. He becomes a militant, and Islam from that point, Islam spreads through violence, Mm. and there's a solid argument to be made. For the possibility that if Islam had not been spread through violent conquest, it would have been a very fringe
1: religion. Mm.
0: Yeah, it would. Have, it would perhaps it would still be there even now. Mm. But it would be a minority, like Zoroastrianism, or one of these other smaller, mm. smaller religious traditions.
1: Yeah, it's it's true, but yeah. you see, it's it's not something that I would want to blame. Islam for and say mm. that this thing puts up a permanent stain on, on on the religion on the religion mm. because it's something that is very, very true of Christianity. You may not necessarily say that the religion exposes some of the, the ideals that <coughs> made it popular, yeah, or spread it across the world. Yeah. But you see at the end of the day it's still human actors who are in yeah, place. But in place. Yeah. Who are going to be so you, you for instance, say for instance, um how Christianity spread in Africa. Yeah. Of course there was initial doing that there was an entire tradition of Christianity in Ethiopia that did not need conquest yeah. to spread. Mm-hmm. But you also have like for a majority of 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 African societies a lot of it was spread through deceit and conquest. You can't run away from that. Um, I, I don't know.
0: Perhaps you can. Mm. Perhaps you can. Mm. Because you do realize that, yes, uh, the missionary impetus was very parallel to the impetus for conquest. Mm. But there's no place, mm. maybe a few, maybe there's a few places, where people are forced to take on Christianity. Even in Africa. And that is borne by the fact that, for example, even in Kenya, here, yeah, there's a lot of freedom. Like, mm-hmm. in terms of Christianity, there's a lot of diversity. In the places where Islam was spread by force, mm-hmm. it's monolithic. It's all Islam and all the minorities are persecuted. Yeah. I mean, Kenya is a prime example of this. I mean, in Kenya, Muslims are very free like they have full rights, like every citizen. Mm-hmm. And we don't even think about it. Like it's not even something that bothers us that a Muslim has the same vote and pays the same taxes and you know has access to the same justice system. And you know, of course, there's, the constitution recognizes the parallel justice at some mm-hmm. levels, the Calvi court system. Mm-hmm. But even that, the fact that that is recognized is a thing that shows you that, I mean, it's a very, very tolerant society. And even if you look at the missionary tradition in Kenya, Mm. They are, I, I'm loath to think of a place where anybody was forced. Le, let me try and go a little, a little
1: bit further. Yeah. Can you say the same thing of the situation in Europe? Mm-hmm. Because okay, yes. you may not. You may not. In fact, in you Europe, may not be. Yeah. Not. It may not necessarily be in the sense of conquest. Yeah. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, control on questions of, of descent. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like there was a sense of control that yeah. you could not, there was a lot, there was very little deviation from, from uh, the authority that for instance came from, from Rome. From Rome, yes. And for a very prolonged period of a, time. Yeah, yeah. You can, obviously you cannot compare it to the extent to which, uh, Islam used conquest to spread the gospel. Yeah. But the the the, the 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 idea of control yeah. is very present. Yeah 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 in the spread and say the dominance of Christianity.
0: Yeah. I, I think it was more useful in the maintenance of the dominance of Christianity than of the spread of the dominance of Christianity. You know? Because okay, I'm just going to give you one one example, okay? And this is another difference between Christendom and, and Islam that Christendom actually contended with the idea of its hegemony. It was like there was a cushion of conscience. There, like... This guy is called the Teutonic Knights. I don't know if you've heard of them. Teutonic Germans mm. who at some point pledged themselves to spread Christianity through Europe. Many people don't realize this, but Europe was not fully Christian until like 1000 AD. Mm. The northern fringes of Europe were not properly converted until much, much later on. Mm -hmm. Okay, 1000 AD, yeah, more or less. And the Teutonic Knights at some point Mm. appointed themselves to be like the chief converters of Europe. Mm. And they were, I think, in in the Baltic area, Estonia, Latvia, what is now Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Mm. and some parts of northern Europe, Scandinavia, Mm they are trying to spread Christianity by force. Like they would ride up into a village and say, all of you guys convert. Parallel to what Muhammad did, but on a smaller scale, yes, but conceptually the same. The only problem is that establishment Christianity rejected that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a council, I forget the name of the council, could be Chalcedon, but I, I forget. There's a point where the church having had a lot of the complaints of these native peoples mm. who are being forced to convert to Christianity by this quasi-military group, which abrogated to itself the responsibility of forcing people to convert. The council met. The whole church met. Mm. And a lot of Polish Polish uh, theologians, theologians from Poland, were like the chief uh, exponents of this idea that, no, dude, you cannot force people to become Christians. No. Because if you force them to become Christian, then they're not really Christians, you see. Mm-hmm. Now, Islam does not have that distinction. If you force somebody to become a Muslim, then he's still a Muslim. But if you force somebody to become a Christian, then mm-hmm. it is impossible, because, you know, you, you have to follow Christ freely for mm-hmm. you to be a Christian. Yeah, so, that is that is a fundamental difference.
1: But like, okay, this which, is just me playing devil's advocate. Which I'm not is saying that yeah, I absolutely believe in it, but you see, force force does not only come from uh, the military aspect. Yes, that is true. There are economic and social inclusion issues that you can use to yeah, yeah. That to force somebody's hand to to maybe espouse some of the ideas that you you, you feel are immutable. Yeah. So for instance, if I say if I've if I've come to a land and I've say I've imposed tax, things like poll tax and I've said that the only way for for people to be able to access, to be able to pay I've created social conditions that necessitate me being having access to being able to, to to pay things like this kind of things like tax or participate in the economy yeah. is through the formal system. Yeah. And this formal system um does not does not recognize my the traditional setup that I come from. Yeah. So for this I will have to to abandon polygamy, yeah, I will have to take up formal education. yeah. I will have to abandon um, traditional brews and all these traditional aspects and become a white African. Yeah. And being a white African necessarily means that I have to adopt Christianity or some of the Christian principles yeah. for yeah. me to yeah. participate in now this new society that has been created by... By colonialists, so you see, at the end of the day, yeah, no, no bullet was shot, yeah. But you see, I've been deprived of the choices, enti- yeah. choices. So, yeah. at the end of the day, yes, it is not force per se, it yeah. is not conquest, but there's some coercion, but there's coercion yeah. at the end of the day, it's not. It, Question can take different different, different forms, yeah, forms, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's a very solid point. So you see at the for me at the end of the day, this is still still bears aspects. Yeah. It's only a question of degree. Yeah. And you see a lot of people will not a lot of people who join who take on the mantle will not will not necessarily see the distinction between physical force yeah. and and these are the less subtle form of pushing people through, mm. through certain pigeonholes.
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I was thinking of what my response would be as you're talking, <laughs> uh, which is not very fair. <laughs> but yeah, I could help thinking of Alliance High School mm. the whole time, mm. because Alliance is a prime example of what you're talking about. Mm. You know, Alliance High School. Uh, if anybody is listening to this, man, we have to remember that people are going to be listening to this conversation. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if anybody is listening from outside, Alliance High School was started by a group of missionaries. It's a school in Kenya now, a group of Scottish missionaries. Um, some of the oldest schools in Kenya. Mm. Kenya's first president, uh, our, our good guy, uh, Jomo Kenyatta, went there. Mm. That's actually where he got baptized and called the name Johnstone. Mm. <laughs> which is actually okay, another interesting story. <laughs> the whole idea because he wanted to be called he wanted to be called Peter uh. and uh, John mm. at the same time like he entered the name Peter and mm. John mm. but there was no way to, <laughs> to have those names mm. at a go apparently I think this book this is in a book by Fitz de Souza mm. um, Onward to Independence or something like that but anyway I remember reading an excerpt so he thought of a way to combine both names John, yes, John would stay, but Peter, mm. could not be John Peter, mm. because the Scott, Scottish missionaries, Scottish protestant missionaries could not allow that. Mm. So he found a way to twist, you know, Peter means stone, rock. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so, so, John, so John Stone <laughs> Gengi Kamau, that's how his name John Johnstone, uh. came, yeah, but anyway, so Alliance was a missionary school. To study in Alliance you had to be a Christian. Mm. So all the kids who went to Alliance, got converted. Mm. Mm-hmm. you choose it, we baptize you Sorry, bro. of course they will give you a bit of catechesis before your conversion mm-hmm. which is also a different thing from Islam mm-hmm. Yeah, Islam, you add a few phrases, mm-hmm. you're a Muslim mm-hmm. now, then maybe you can get the catechesis mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong, perhaps I'll get a Muslim mm-hmm. I have a bunch of Muslim friends, I can invite them into this podcast, mm-hmm. maybe they can provide a bit of clarity and by the way, I'm not saying this because I hate Muslim there was a time I almost became a Muslim myself I don't, know if, you. I don't know if I've told you this <laughs> yeah, there, there was a point when I, yeah. You seriously
1: considered.
0: <laughs> I was super close to becoming a Muslim. Mm. Like, even to, <laughs> you know, it was just kiddo. There's just like one step left and I would have become a Muslim. Mm. And I shout out to my friend Ali Samir, Said. Yeah, a yeah, yeah, Shirazi friend. I mean, Shirazi, do you know that there's a tribe in Kenya called the Shirazi? Yes. Yeah. Mm who apparently have some Persian roots. Mm. Yeah, they live in, in Lamu. Mm. This friend of mine was called Ali Samir Said. He's from northern that, that Lamu. Yeah, shout out. If Ali Samir, you ever hear this, know that you almost converted me to Islam. <laughs> <laughs> I never told you that, but <laughs> almost. Almost. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's something that I hate. I just think that they've not come to the reckoning that Christianity has come to with a more extremist Interpretations mm. of that tradition. There's also the fact that Islam itself is a little more simplistic, intellectually speaking, than Christianity. Mm. I mean, you can read the Quran in one city. Mm. Good luck reading the Bible in one city. I mean, you'll be full of shit by the time you finish <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it. Will be, it will be very difficult. You just literally, I'm, I'm not, I'm not yeah. a lot, I mean, the story, you, you take a month to read the Bible. It's, the Quran can read in hours.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. So it's a much more simplistic telling of the story. And the fact that it has a lot more historical errors, for example, in, in the Quran, I don't know if Muslims whoever listen to this know this, but the Miriam, who's the sister of Moses, mm. is conflated with Miriam, the mother of Jesus. Uh. To them it's the same person. Moses is the uncle of Jesus. Mm. I mean that's just what that's a seven hundred, no, twelve hundred year era. Mm. yeah, It's, 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 it's I mean, huge.
1: You know, it could, could also be created by the
0: uh, the mistaken uh, notion Mohammed had of Jesus uh, from the Nestorians yeah. that played a significant effect, and many people don't realize that. But anyway, but, yeah, but was in,
1: for me, I'm looking at it from the aspect of, of the Book of Hebrews, yeah, and the whole idea that you see um, Mo- Moses was. Uh, which is you could say one of the patriarchs that started the, the, the priestly tradition. Yeah. So from an aspect of of, of um of Hebrews, yeah, Christ sees him lot of himself in in Moses. Yeah. Moses was the first person who you could say one of the first patriarchs who created the idea of the who conceptualized the idea of the of the, the sacrifice it was all it was it was kept for it was enunciated yeah. through the animal sacrifice yeah. but he sees if you read hebrew a lot of hebrew yeah. you see a lot of a lot of the Paral- like, this, like they just draw from that and, and, and parallelize it to the yeah. sacrifice of
0: Christ himself. yes uh-huh. you know actually now that i bring that i've always thought that what if the jews were doing reinstand here to their religion. <laughs> 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 would, they be, would they be sacrificing goods in the temple? Here's another thing that always comes to be whenever if you read Leviticus, no? Mm. Leviticus and and yeah I recently finished reading the old testament. Like I just started from Genesis all the way to all the way to is it um, what's the last book of the New Testament? The Revelation? No, 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 no. New La- Testament? The last book of the Old Testament, yes. Oh. Uh, z- has, it has a z. Mm. Uh, z. Anyway, whatever. I read the whole thing. Mm. And when God describes the sacrifices that have to be made at the temple, mm. uh, well, at that time the temple did not exist at the tent of, of meeting and of course it created to the temple and the temple was, was constructed by Solomon. Hey! I'm like, how do they manage the blood? Because mm. the sacrifice was being done every single day, mm. and you have just goats and cows and sheep being brought in. You know, like there's always sacrifices and there's just blood flowing every, mm. like all the time. Like how, how do you, <laughs> the place I must have been filthy. <laughs> so I've always wondered, like if they were to go back to. To the practice of their religion in the form that it was in uh, back then, have have spilled pee on your carpet. Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: um, uh, like what would that look like, and where would the priests come uh, from? I, I think it also div- it also borrows a lot from um their their cultural milieu. Yeah, because if you see a lot of already the The world you find yourself in, sort of, kind of defines your uh, the spiritual ideas or theological ideas you sort sort of have. It doesn't start from doesn't start from this primordial idea. Yeah, the present has the present has has a lot of its influence. Yeah, so the fact that these people were living almost like um, they kept a lot of livestock. Yeah. You could say almost to a certain degree that the livestock started to define some of the ideas that they had about human interaction, about yeah. the soul, about redemption. So it was, I don't think it was a mistake that sacrifice was part of a lot of their rituals. The, yeah, the rituals. Yeah, yeah. You could see, and this is some of the arguments I was having with people concerning uh, things like bride price. Yeah that part of the idea of maintaining this thing beyond beyond it, was, the time when beyond it's the useful. Time it is useful yeah. is absurd because you cannot you cannot be claiming to play, pay bride price to things like cattle and a lot of us normally don't right live now, in the village don't live in the village <laughs> and going to are give not, the bloody cattle <laughs> yeah, they're not like 80% of, of the economy we don't how much of milk how many people drink milk for instance how many people wear leather yeah how many people use urine cow urine for this as a disinfectant I mean, how, how, on, much, jury. how many people <laughs> use milk, you see so yeah. when when that I explain the urine in another podcast one day anyway yeah when that life cycle changes it presupposes that a lot of our notions on how we interact with each other yeah. is, is going to change. So cattle will not be a primary source of of, of income. It will yeah. not be a primary source of It's not a medium exchange. of exchange, yes. It will not define our relationships and will not solve our disputes. So it will yeah. be very difficult for somebody to argue to me, for instance. That if I'm going to, for instance, and for whoever is going to be listening to this, who has a daughter somewhere, yeah. that is going to expect me to be giving him of cows, cattle of cattle. like the
0: hell. Where are you going to keep the cows? You live in the city for Christ. You live, you live in the air. You know, like you yeah. live in an apartment block, <laughs> like you're on the fifth floor. Yeah, you don't have space for cows. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, like uh, a lot we, of, we need uh, to question our traditions yes. and I guess I, this is something perhaps perhaps we need to schedule another, another episode f- just for this because I have a lot of ideas of how to reform I don't mm. know if reform is the right term to use but to reform tradition because there's a bunch of things that are just anachronistic now mm. and if we don't if we don't interrogate them then we risk losing both the tradition mm. and our identity Completely, like, if you don't contend with the past, then the past stops to exist, mm-hmm. which means the present becomes rootless. Mm-hmm. So you get bad things on both ends. Mm-hmm. So perhaps, perhaps, whoever it is that that determines the tradition, and I realize that in the past maybe it wasn't explicitly enunciated, like there was no explicit uh, delineation of whose role it was to preserve tradition. Mm-hmm but we've gone to the point where somebody is, there's a whole, almost every community has a council of elders. Mm. There's a council of elders and it determines what tradition is, you know, what, you know, but if traditions like Teroburu, we've lost that. Mm. And if you look at the descriptions of that tradition, it's Mm. very beautiful. Mm. Why can't we adapt it to the modern era? The reason it was lost, was because it became impractical. There was no way to reconcile it with the realities of modern life. Mm. And because people are so rigid, it's either you have the tradition or you don't. Mm. People decided, ah, to hell, mine it's better to not have it. Because mm. I'm I'm living in the city, I don't have cows anymore, so mm. there's no way to for me terrible. Mm. But if we could find a way to reconcile the two and come up with something new that, you know, even modern peoples who put on clothes and live in cities can participate in. Mm then you can have at least the symbolic meaning behind that tradition because the tradition is not itself the most important element Mm. the tradition embodies something higher than that so I don't know, I think this is something perhaps you can just have an episode Mm. or even a discussion outside of the podcast as we always do where we just talk about things you know in in, in tradition that perhaps it's time to interrogate and figure out how to integrate that with with the modern world Mm. because I think we've gotten to that point where we can we have a role to play in the definition of culture yes culture morphs Mm. almost of its own but now we are aware that it actually does that Mm. and so we are also aware that we can play a role Mm. in, in, in in its anyway I don't know but Um I don't know if you've talked of anything of substance in (laughs) the (laughs) club. Oh boy. Um yeah, but anyway, um I guess this is this is what I want to do with my podcast. I just Mm. want to have conversations. I've asked a lot of people to come on. Mm. Yeah. Because I realize that there's no there's no platform like this. Mm. Yeah. There's no platform like this. I think our storytelling is very simple. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So we need to get to talk about the fact that you sing. Do you
1: still sing? Uh, I still, still in your band. Do you have a band? No. Okay. You see, for for me, uh, it's a different. It's a difficult question to answer. <laughs> well, <that's even> <laughs> <answering>. <laughs> but one of the problems that one of the things that I've um, I've sort of morphed into nowadays is that priorities change over time. So well I was singing with in in my earlier years when it was it was easier to just focus on on uh, On more, more of my social aspects, like how, how the things that I would say would define me rather than the external aspects, like how, how do I acquire wealth? How do I look, look among my peers? How do I, how do I advance my career? Cause for me, it was more like there are certain aspects of me that I'm taking from, from my historical setting. That I want to advance because singing was was really essential to to how I grew up. It was it was really part of I would say part of our tradition as as Christians. Yeah. So that eventually Paula started developing into into other things because if you li- if you listen to a lot of especially the Black American artists, they will tell you that they are their careers in music started from the church. If you listen yeah. to be a guy like Arthur Asha, a guy like, uh, what's his name? Uh, this other guy, R. Kelly. Yeah. A lot of them began there. And even to be just before that, even the classical tradition is informed by by singing in the classical sense which is which begins from religion and and ritual so yeah. for me that that was the motivation from from the beginning but it changed into something else because my taste at the time was informed by 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 rock music yeah so we formed i had this strong desire to form a rock band so for a period of time i was just doing rock music but it goes beyond that because I still have a strong anchoring in. In high school I was part of the choir that went into into the national festivals. So there was a lot of the classical traditions, hymn, church hymns. Mm. So as for now, the band that I was part of called Seeds of Datura, which was um which was trying to center back um Things like rock music back into the African context, because the argument has always been that a lot of the major genres of of music find a lot of their roots in Africa. Yeah, look at yeah,
0: it's amazing actually how how far okay. those roots go. Mm. Yeah. Look at jazz. Look at blues. I mean, there's even there's even a case for classical music being. Mm. Of
1: African origin, It's same same, same. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's something I can actually explore yeah. at some point. So for us, for your group of six guys, all of us on campus, some of us um, are aware of a lot of the mini academic, brought up, in, brought up in that academic tradition, all of us studying for degrees. So we were looking for, we were all fans of rock music from a and from an early age, and the heavy aspects of it in heavy metal. But we are really trying to push the, we are trying to look for a medium of music that could could be, you could say, was was advancing more of the, the serious issues in societies that you mm-hmm. could have a more serious, more serious conversation with. For instance, your listener to yeah. the medium of music if you look at if you look at a lot of the bands that you we were listening to at the time, a lot of them had classical traditions. Yeah, bands like um bands in progressive metal, Opeth from Sweden, that 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 was most of our inclination. So we were trying to find, we were trying to find, we were still trying to dig for our own route as Africans, which we felt was lost, and trying to bring those roots and connect them with world. Genres of music that we felt still had roots in, in, Africa. in Africa. Yeah, so we, most of my application, most of my inspiration for music was from the classical tradition, from how we sing. I, I, I used to be a tenor one, mm. still sing some tenor two, but a lot of it was from. Those tenor traditions from 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 operandums. and a lot of people used to tell me those same things because they <laughs> could use listen to my songs and they were like, I felt this song started like a church song, then it it progressed into something that was more sinister,
0: very secular,
1: very yes. secular, <laughs> and not just secular, yeah. like a lot of like dark <laughs> or dark, <laughs> <so. So>, devilish. <laughs> so we yeah. we 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 that 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 was a progression that we are taking but we I don't think we were really prepared for for the challenges that we would eventually meet meet because it tested our uh, things like discipline commitment problem solving yeah ingenuity uh, ingenuity and just the idea of sticking together and being able to face traumatic situations and still stick to the goal that we had set out. Yeah. So it'd be, at, at some point it became very difficult for us to continue doing the music because a lot of us had spiraled into really dark places. <laughs> and we were grappling with ideas that yeah. were, to say the least, at some point it became beyond us because yeah. we, we were grappling with the real world, but we were still trying to conceptualize a lot of a, and, deal, and, and, and a lot of our minds could not deal yeah. with it so we t- create, tried to create a lot of coping mechanisms which ended up being very Counter, distracting counterproductive counterproductive so the band at the end of the day i could not say i'm not i can't say that it imploded, but i think some of the ideas we were trying to push were too powerful for for us for to you to continue, continue to it, like continue. At, at the point where you where at you want at the point where because all of us were broke kids <laughs> we're all in campus
0: broke ass niggas
1: broke <laughs> ass niggas <laughs> like didn't have money yeah. so you're trying you're talking of very lofty very lofty ideas yeah. like you're trying to contend with the idea of the soul if you listen to a lot of our songs there their weighty matters. Yeah. We are not just talking about love. We are not talking about base human emotions. We are talking. We are trying to contend with the idea of dreams, what they mean. We yeah. are trying to contend with with like large societal issues. Yeah. So it came to a point where we even to 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 push the conversation further than where it had reached. You yeah. had to you had to put. We had to put ourselves in a creative process yeah. that at times didn't didn't lead to the sort of answers that we wanted we wanted so a lot of people broke up but I still do music because I still feel that it defines defines my idea of myself mm-hmm. to a degree that I can't I can't leave it behind completely I have to change it into something so I, I am at the moment I'm now moving into a solo project that, I can still control yeah. as much as the ideas are still weighty. Yeah, I don't. I can't leave it to five or six different people to make the decision. So it will be easier for me to move from one challenge to the next because mm-hmm. yeah. the only person I'm contending with is, is myself. So if I can go beyond that, it will be much easier for me to do, to do the music than mm. just leave it to, to five guys. Interesting. You
0: know, I. I sing, too. Mm. Hey, man, I'm repeating so much about myself in this podcast. (laughs) my God. (laughs) But it's fine. Uh, uh, I define the podcast as Africa's living room. Mm. But I sing, too. um, And the motivation comes mostly from the fact that my mother, my mother has been in the choir, in church for a very long time. Mm. Um, So when I went to high school, And this has relevance to the fact that I almost became a Muslim. I was in a a crisis of faith, basically. Mm -hmm. From class seven to mid-form one. So that's about one and a half years or something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah. So when I went to campus, I was not very religious. Then at some point, a bunch of things led to me starting to take my faith a bit more seriously. Mm -hmm. Because the time I almost converted to Islam was Ramadan 2000 until 2000. 8 yeah but anyway after that I started becoming a bit more serious and then I started becoming a bit more participative in church and I started singing there Mm. Now, when I was in form 1 I was very I had a very shrill voice Mm. so I used to sing tenor one I was almost alto you know (laughs) yeah and then one day in form 2 I woke up and I had a cold and I couldn't sing Mm. And the cold lasted, I think, a day or two. And when the cold lifted, I couldn't sing tenor mm. one anymore. I couldn't sing out like yeah. that almost out of. Yeah. So I started singing bass, like yeah. from shrill to like I can't, I can't, <laughs> like even there's some octaves I cannot rise to anymore. Mm. And so I started singing bass. My best friend was a choir master in high school, but I really, really love singing. Mm. So, through campus, because of a bunch of circumstances, I never really got involved with the Catholic community in campus mm. very deeply, like the establishment Catholic community of course, I was involved in the fringe community, <laughs> I, mean, I think you know the story, perhaps you can go more into detail with it later, but the establishment, because I was in the University of Nairobi, the establishment Catholic community was in St. Paul's. St. Paul's yeah. So I was not very involved in that community uh, through campus and so I didn't really get involved in the choir and you know the, the youth activities out there. But then when I started working worked in Strathmore University. I've mentioned this before in another episode so I have no problem mentioning it here. Strathmore University has a chapel and there's a whole choir like the choir of Strathmore University, University Chapel is just, mm. it's it's amazing. It's mm. Those guys are pros and they sing very well. And so I started just joining them to sing, and I realized that they lacked the bass department. So I just joined the bass. Yeah. I don't go for practice <laughs> because I don't want to be given a wife. <laughs> you know, choir, choir people marry each other. <laughs> it's, just, it's very well known. It's not, a, it's not a, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah. So, so I started doing the singing and I really enjoyed it. But then now, now I'm in Kisumu, so I don't get the chance to sing much. I've been thinking that perhaps I should because I go for I go for the morning mass at mm. Saint Joseph's. I've been thinking maybe I should, maybe I should. Uh, there's a bunch of guys who sing there. Maybe I should ask like the morning mass on weekdays, mm. which is not very well organized. Like the singing is not organized. Mm. I've been thinking maybe I should. There's a nun and there's a gentleman we just ask them to sit together like we sit together in the same place and then like we select the songs beforehand mm. from us and then we sing because I like that's one thing I really enjoy singing mm. a, I mean it gets me mm. it gets me and because you see if you're singing bass it's impossible to sing alone mm. I, I, there's very few songs that are solely bass mm. And so, well, I can still sing a bit of tenor, mostly tenor too, like the higher, so the lower octaves of tenor.
2: Mm.
0: I can still get them. Like I, if I'm singing solo, yes, <clears throat> I can master a bit of tenor, but it's very hard. Like the, the higher the octaves get, the more difficult yeah, it, is, yeah. it is for me. And so I don't get the opportunity. Like the only time I get to sing is now when, like, if if they sing a song that requires bass, then I get to bring in my bass. Mm. But when the bass is not there, like when there's no need for bass, or when the bass just gets one or two opportunities to chime in, you know, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> like the cross, <laughs> then, oh boy, okay. But I, I don't know. I, maybe I should ask you, last this ask guys, mm. just to organize a small choir for the daily mass, morning mass, and then we just sing together. I think I should do that. Yeah, I think I should
1: do that. Yeah, I think there's still. But I'm afraid of nams. I
2: think
1: there's a lot of space for you to sing bass. Yeah. Because, um, part of my learning, music is you're always learning new things. Yeah. Because you're constantly listening to people, and you are lifting these ideas from them on what to do and not what to do and what can work, what you thought couldn't work can still work yeah so like even the idea of how voices are recorded
0: i mean it's amazing Mm. how voices
1: interact yeah so you can still because like most (coughs) of my songs i do i do different tracks like i'll do i'll do the original line in one register yeah then i'll do harmonies in different in different ranges, I'll do a lower register. I'll try to imitate the bass, of course, with a little manipulation from the production end of it.
0: Yeah, but when you can, can singing, you can you can you sing like proper bass or baritone? Yeah, I
1: can sing. sing. Like- I, I have a baritone yeah. voice because yeah. when my voice broke, yeah, there was that element that was. Was was there that, that baritone? in my speaking?
0: <laughs> there's a sometimes I, you... I told my uncle that I sing bass, and he was like, they don't have bass anymore. <laughs> 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 they don't have bass to get from." But people don't realize it. But I can oh, go yeah. quite deep, actually. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> like my my octave ranges. Mm. I think I have a very wide range. Yeah. You you have quite a wide
1: range yourself. Yeah, yeah, I have a wide range. But when when, yeah. when people hear me speak, yeah, they think you're only a baritone. They think I'm a baritone yeah. or a bass. But when yeah. they hear me sing, they can't tell. Yeah, because there's a lot of tenor. Sing. I've had you sing once. Yeah. So I've I've for over time I've tried to incorporate both the singing voice and. Mm. The and the talking voice which people say should be the same but it helps with ah really yeah Ah, okay should be the same like you can still sing in your talking voice because that should be your normal register but i found for i've still been able to retain my my softer registers and the softer vocals the the tenor side the tenor Tenor. side yeah but when i get excited i I go very tenor uh,
0: but like in regular conversation, like right now, mm-hmm. uh, it's the baritone comes out quite a bit. But when I sing, like I can go really low, uh-huh. like really, really, it surprises me. <laughs> you,
1: go, you know, like, mm-hmm. and they're
0: like, okay, so mm-hmm. I can actually vibrate. <laughs> yeah, but, but
1: again, yeah. In the the music industry has to it, sometimes. From an outsider it looks like a, a very straightforward thing yeah especially if, if you find somebody who is talented, people normally ask but this person can really sing how is it that they are not successful yeah but you see the music industry is one of those you could say is not a very structured. Professional or, or business enterprise. Because especially our side of the Atlantic. Especially our side of the Atlantic. Because yeah. the business has not been built to the, the degree bigger. in which yeah. it has been built in the West. The so Nigerians when, are really figuring, figuring this out. They're kind out. of figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. But you see also them they're coming from a position where they have already gone through the struggle of establishing the framework yeah. on how to be successful. Yeah. But here you find yourself where you could be Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Allow me to interrupt. Mm -hmm. I think I had mentioned in
0: the last episode that this episode, Mm -hmm. this one that we're recording right now would be with a Nigerian. Ah, okay. Then I checked my
1: calendar and realized, no, no, no,
0: no. I'll record that one on 29th
1: Uh, of May. uh
0: Yeah. So if anybody listens up to this point, Mm -hmm. they have to realize, okay, fine. uh, Daniel Kobimbo is not a Nigerian. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, there's this fella that I met on Twitter who's, who's obliged me. Like, he's super big. Like, mm. He was one of the team that made the first properly, like, big Nigerian podcast. Um. And he's in the entertainment industry there. So maybe I'll get to talk to him about how like, they managed to find out, to find success outside of Nigeria. Because mm. contemporary Nigerian pop musicians are really exploding all mm-hmm. over the world. Like, they've taken over Africa, mm-hmm. it seems. Mm-hmm. And even in the rest of the world, I mean, people like Whiskey and... What is this, this case called? Um, there's a bunch of... There's a like small cabal, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: who are, like, all over... In Europe, they're being listened to. In North America, being, they do concerts all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really... Anyway, really. so I interrupted you. Really, I hope you can't remember
1: where you are. <laughs> oh, I was saying yeah. that sometimes you... The framework is not very well defined. Yeah. So you might find um, a talented artist that has to learn the ropes of how to be successful in the industry because there's not there's no ropes. There's no ropes. There's (laughs) no there's no academia that will train you that okay, this is okay, you have the ability to for instance to sing. Yeah. And this is what you this need is to the do you follow, yeah. This is the path you can follow. So you come into it with a lot of expectation, expecting that your talent, uh, I'm talented. I have That's uh, free reign. Yeah. So you, you are dropped into that situation and you find that there are a lot of things, number one, that you, you, you don't know. You, you, you need to establish, for instance, things like an image. Yeah. yeah, and that nobody knows actually that you know? nobody knows Yeah, and also that it takes time because you talk of guys like Kid and uh, all these artists that you know they have been working on that craft for a long time a long you only time, came yes. to know them maybe after 4 or 5 years when they've been doing or longer or even longer yeah. or even 10 years guys like um What's his name? Uh, I mean, I was surprised to learn the other day that South Africa, this South African
0: band Mafikizolo, mm. dude, this guys have
1: been around since the nineties. Yeah, man. long time. Like the hell, man! So before you even break into, and this is the problem that sometimes you, as Africans, we or Kenyans, we don't have this the, the perspective on the yeah. on the time that it requires for you to be able to achieve success. Yeah, and with the societal pressure, especially if you have, for instance, in my case. You all guys who are in campus, you have parents who expect you to start earning a living and be successful and support the family. Two or three years out of campus, and you you may have this vision that because we a lot of the people who used to listen to our music thought that it was revolutionary. Yeah, especially from the African perspective, that there are people who can actually do this and conceptualize Western music. In a very unique way. Yeah. But you see, there, no one had the patience or the time to to wait for that thing to to mature. Even for us who thought that we were conceptualizing that vision, yeah. We sort of started doubting it ourselves because yeah. we started experiencing a lot of challenges that made us doubt, like, oh, is this thing really worth? And Impost, now imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Oh, okay. yeah. So, like once now, when I'm looking back at it, we started this thing in 20, 2015. Yeah, it's barely five five or so years ago. Five barely five years ago.
3: Yeah.
1: If I look at guys like Blinky, Bill have been in the industry for for decades, and it's right now when they are starting to to appeal to yeah. like a wider audience. So a lot of us do not have the thick skin to, and I can't blame anyone. For yeah, it. I mean it's difficult. It's, it's very it's, difficult it's, it's, to to it's, to try. I mean to like just. You can actually lose your mind in the in the mm, process. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. Anyway, okay, man, I should write back. And uh, which day was that? Uh, two day,
0: three days ago, I went mm. to dinner with a friend who's had a new baby. Mm. So I went to see the baby and bless the baby. Mm. <laughs> I like blessing babies. Mm. I'm not a priest, but. So, and then he gave me a lot of beer. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> beer. Then I had to ride back into uh, the house. Yeah. It was quite an experience. Riding while drunk is very nice. <laughs> well, I'm not drunk. Riding while tipsy. Let's say that. Um, I'll post this thing mm. before long after I have sobered up. Mm. But riding in this state is very nice. I mean, you're aware of everything, mm. but life is just so beautiful. <laughs> anyway, um, maybe I'll cut that out. <laughs> no, no, I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't cut that out. So, anyway. Um, this has been, like, most of our conversations, except the fact that we have recorded it. Mm. So, maybe I should be... Maybe I should include the fact that I'm very grateful for you agreeing. Three hours, shit! <laughs> uh, yeah. That, there's a portion that I'll cut out, the portion where you went to make a phone call and I went to the bathroom. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it will be more or less three hours. So, thanks for agreeing to this, manner. Yeah, oh, cool, yeah We've had a lot of conversations, but we've never recorded any of them. <laughs> Some of them are so, more
1: profound than this
0: one. Than this one, yeah, of course. I mean, this... We should do more more of this. Maybe we should mention that both of us have taken two cans of Guinness. (laughs) Is wearing out now, but I think yeah. it will be a nice experience riding back home yeah. <laughs> with, the, with this nice cloudy feeling in my, head, yeah. in my head. I hope I don't get knocked down. If I get knocked down, nobody will know. Mm. People will only know if I'm knocked down. <laughs> Sorry, if I'm not knocked down, because that will mean that I've gotten to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And let's hope that the audio, So you'll send me the audio on your computer. One, okay. On my phone,
2: yeah.
0: And I don't, yeah, I think I mentioned this already that I'm I'm renaming my podcast to Abiero on the Loose so, yeah, this podcast should no longer be called No Protocols Observed. It's a difficult name to pronounce. It's a good thing I'm changing it now because if, imagine if I had like a thousand listeners and then I'm changing the podcast name. They'll be shocked. What's this new podcast in my feed? But anyway, th- there's something you mentioned which I thought might be and I, I think I'll, this will be the last thing I say, um, that people don't realize the time horizon you need to develop skill, talent, um, following, because you'll do, it, you'll do it for three years, mm. four years, five years, six years, seven years, eight years. Mm. And I realized that this is a malaise in the African podcasting ecosystem as well. Mm. The most successful podcasts are those that have been around the longest, mm. by and large. Mm. I mean, Joe Rogan, who was like the most successful podcast of all time, really, started podcasting in 2010 mm. or 2009 a long time ago. It's like, the guy has been podcasting for a decade. Mm. And I realized that lots of Kenyan podcasts, I don't know if, how many you listen to, but perhaps you can recommend some to me at some point, mm. haven't been around for long. So they come in and then they do a run for like six, seven episodes then they stop. Mm. Then they come back again another six, seven episodes and they stop. Then maybe they stop forever. Mm. I've seen one, this lady called Adele Onyango. I don't know her very well, but she has a podcast called Legally Clueless, which I think has been running the longest mm. for a continuous period, two years, nonstop. Mm. And she's very successful at it because she's, you know, like she does an episode every week mm. and it works for her. Bunch of other guys do that. But I think I told a friend that, you know Savio? Yeah, you know, I know Savio. Yeah, I told Savio that I think this is, Savio is a developer for whoever is listening. Um, yeah, web developer, but very smart guy that um, I, I figured out the problem with Kenyan podcasting. I didn't tell him what it was, but I think this is it. Mm. Consistency mm. is the issue. Mm. So, one thing I want to do with this podcast is like, just every single week, for the next 10
1: years, mm. I'm going to have an episode. Well, you will have, to, take have, it. You will have to have... Uh, a metaphysical Matthew that ensures that that idea sticks.
0: Well, the only problem that is likely to stop me yeah. is if I die.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is very likely. But <laughs> it's not, it's not, there's There's a very large... It's a non-zero. There's a non-zero chance that I'll die before those ten years are over. Yeah. But if I'm still alive ten years from now, mm. this podcast will still be recording. Mm. Yeah, once a week, so that's fifty-two episodes a year. Mm. Ten years, that's five hundred and twenty episodes. Mm. Yeah, I have started numbering them in in such a format that I can take up to nine hundred and ninety-nine. Mm. So it's possible to record this thing for twenty years. Mm. Who knows? I'll be I'll be in twenty years. Mm. Joe Rogan is fifty-six years old and he's still recording his podcast. When did this start? 10 years ago, which means it was 46. I've started oh. mine at 27, so mm. 10 years from now I'll be 37, Seven. Mm. And when I become a full-time writer, this might be the only thing that I do outside of writing.
2: Mm.
0: Who knows? Anyway. Um, I'll now clap, which marks the end. So anything you say after this, I will cut